And welcome to the Star Wars Forum UK podcast. I'm Stuart Skinner, your host for the show. This is episode six, The Phantom Manis. Joining me this evening, as always, are the usual suspects. First, we have someone whose comments are about as useful as the left-hand side of the countdown clock, but we love him anyway. It's Richard Hutchinson. Good evening, Rich. Good evening, guys. Next, we have someone who has spent the last month immersing himself in Star Wars documentaries, Star Wars Shakespeare, Star Wars Christmas tunes, you name it, he's been into it. He's our completist, Grant Criddle. Good evening, sir. Hello, my lovely. We also have with us, as usual, Ben Coomber. His mouth isn't, is always in gear, but his brain is often in neutral. Let's hope that's not the case this evening. Good evening, Benji. Hello. And finally, we have Peter Davis. If you gave him a penny for his thoughts, you'd get change. Evening, Pete. All right, my lovely. On the show this month, we have an excellent interview with popular forum member Chris Mann, where we discuss many things, including his Yoda focus. We have a fascinating boom section this month as Richard takes a look at the new Star Wars Collector's Archive format. Grant brings us his second part of the Star Wars computer games in this month's Oddballs, and we'll also take a look at the events that have been over the past month and give us a rundown of what is still to come. As well as all this, Ben brings us the top purchases of the forum as he delves into the latest acquisitions thread. Pete continues to keep an eye on the market. And in this month's forum roundup, which includes a short chat with David Moss about his sealed mailer box, which after six years of owning, he's finally finding out what is inside. All this to come on the SWF UK podcast, Sixth Edition. Well, when we closed the last podcast, I mentioned that Ben and his beautiful wife, Emma, were due to have their baby daughter, which they have had. So huge congratulations, Ben. Can you tell us a bit about her? Weight, name, etc.? Uh, yeah, cheers, guys. Um, her name is Ellie May, and she was born on the 2nd of October, at nine minutes past four, weighing eight pounds, six ounces. So, um, yeah, mother and baby are doing well, and I'm just getting used to uh, the first first few days of being a father. No, it's great, isn't it, mate? Excellent, Ben. Congratulations. Um, can I just ask, is, is she taller than you yet? <laughs> no, but she speaks better English than you do. Ben, I noticed that the name is an anagram of Leah. Well done. Is it? <laughs> how, do you, how do you spell Leah, mate? Because it's E-double-L-I-E. There's a few letters in there. Yeah, close well, enough. I, 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 I suppose maybe if Rich spelled it out, it might be something yeah, similar. But, uh, exactly. It, it's in there. Don't worry about it. It's hidden. It's a hidden name. So, so Ben, as well as the most expensive and the most precious acquisition this month, um, you've just told us about have you been buying anything else um well as you know being a father yourself Stuart, um finances become a bit tight when you uh, finally um decide to start having kids and you know you've got to be a bit careful with what you spend so i bought myself a dt loop this month um possibly not the most sensible thing i've done but i wanted one and one was available um no i 
got a budget for one, so um, and it's not in pristine condition. Um, but I'm well pleased with it because I've been after one for a little while, and they seem to be not many for sale at the moment at reasonable prices. And I picked up a couple of other loose loose figures as well, a variant layer Bespin that I needed, a variant Bosk, and a looking combat poncho. And I've entered the murky world thanks to Mr. Grant Criddle of Scented Erasers. Uh, just this evening bought a pack of six of the Return of the Jedi scented erasers from uh, Ollie Suds last set he's got. It's really worrying that Grant's doing this to all of us, isn't it? I think he's collaring the scented eraser market and I know he's got hundreds and hundreds of boxes of them and he's actually probably selling them out via third parties. I think possibly Ollie Suds is a franchise of Grant Criddle, but I'll see when they turn up. Um, as all of you got scented erasers now. Yeah. That's sorted. Pete? No. <laughs> Pete, you're not you're not cool. <laughs> Good. Do you want to buy some erasers? Yeah, go on. Now, previously, we've had a couple of comments from our overseas listeners that they would like to know whereabouts we are in the UK, so they can place our accents with our location. Now, Ben, it's been noted before that we have probably the most similar accents out of the five of us, and I think that's mainly due to the fact that where we come from, we, we speak basically the correct Queen's English. Now, you're from Hove, so could you explain yep. to the listeners where that sits on the map of the UK? Uh, Hove is in Sussex by the sea, uh, one of the home counties. So it sits just about in the middle, maybe as you're looking at the map slightly to the right, and it's about as southerly as you can get on this point. I can look out of my front room window and I can see the sea. Yeah, quite near Brighton. That that probably be the nearest uh, nearest city that uh, people would know. Just keep referring to the Queen's English, but it's a common misconception that we don't actually speak the Queen's English. We speak standard English. Uh, Queen's English is an incredibly complicated language to understand. So, um, Like Northern? Not quite like Northern, no. Uh, so it's standard English. You speak Paul Gascoigne's English, don't you? Well, in relation to Ben then, I'm about 90 miles east of where he is and under an hour to London. Um, so if you're looking at a map of the UK, I'm down the very bottom right-hand side on the little section that sticks out. Uh, the Garden of England, as Rich has just spoken, from one end of the country to the other then, Rich. Where can we find you on the map? I'm the most northerly point um, on the podcast team, um, right up north near Newcastle. Um, a lot of people, I don't know why, but a lot of people know Hadrian's Wall um, from abroad, and it's not really that big. Uh, things are not like the Great Wall of China, so it's only a three-foot high wall. Um, so it's, it seems to be quite uh, famous, particularly in America, so I'm right up there next to that wall. Uh, we call it... Um, Castle Black now because of the, the Game of Thrones and obviously all the Scots are on the other side so they're the, what do you call them, the White Walkers or something like that, the Wildlings so that's where I am Any latest acquisitions to add to your vast growing collection? Yeah, I have settled down a little bit this month, although I have spent a lot on Star Wars, it's just not all for me so I also bought a pack of the Scented Erasers uh, like what Ben did, there was um, Ollie Suds on the forum was selling I think he had about four or five sets, and, and I picked up one of those. I've also picked up a, a die-cast Darth Vader TIE Fighter, which is loose, but it's in absolutely immaculate condition, because uh, the guy who was selling it said it had, it had come through a bubble on the packaging, and he wanted to keep the packaging, but wanted to sell the, the Darth Vader TIE Fighter, so it's, it's in immaculate condition, so I'm really, really pleased with that. I managed to pick up a couple of modern Episode 1 card figures. Um, I'm slowly, very, very slowly buying them. 
So if anyone's got any for sale, um, I only pay £2 each for them, so get in contact if you've got a few that I might be interested in. I've bought me tickets for a Star Wars event that's coming up, which we'll be talking about later in Belgium. And I've also bought two quite hefty items for my Secret Santa, which I'll be talking about later on as well. I haven't uh, made any huge purchases, but it still all adds up. Good stuff. Pete, added anything to your collection? Uh, not really. A few modern bits and pieces, but nothing of any interest. Saving it really for, for our little beer trip. I mean, our little trip to Belgium, which should be rather interesting. But uh, no, I think the only thing I actually got this month was uh, the last bit of um, Princess Leia's Slave Leia Lego um, figure, which completes my Slave Leia Lego collection of all three pieces. <laughs> and uh, Pete, you're from Leamington Spa. Or should I say Royal Leamington Spa? I think you have to say Royal Leamington Spa, seeing as you're one of the poor Southern Cockney boys. Well, it's funny that me and Ben speak more royalty language, and (laughs) (laughs) you don't. But uh, can you tell the listeners, firstly, where it is, and secondly, why it is regarded as royal? You're calling that the Queen's English, what you speak. You're like two bother boys. You're like, you know, Dalboy and Rodney of the podcast. You're the Cockneys. Anyway, Royal Leamington Spa is given Royal because Queen Victoria decided she loved it so much, so she granted it Royal status. She used to stay in Leamington, supposedly. Although some people will argue that she actually went past it in a train and said, Oh, that looks nice! And uh, and then went from there. But we, we don't know, we don't care. And no one ever uses it anyway, but you can't write it down, which is interesting. Um, you're not allowed to use Royal on any of your paper. You have to ask permission from the Queen. So there we go. But uh, Leamington Spa is right in the middle of the country. Um, it's all, almost central. There's a, a tree to signify it's the centre of England, even though Meridian will argue that, and a few other stupid little villages in the middle of nowhere will also argue the same thing. But it is pretty central, and uh, we never get to see the sea. So when I get near the sea, I get a bit weird. <laughs> but weirder than normal. Yeah, oh, really weird. You, you don't know what's coming when we go to bed. We have to cross the sea. Oh, dear. <laughs> so, uh, finally, Grant, you're a resident Welshman. Can you explain your location? All right, boyo. Um, well, if there's a bright centre to the universe, I live in a village that is farthest from. Um, if you actually get your hand, your left hand, and just hold it in front of you and look at your thumb, and where your thumb joins your hand, that's where I live in the UK. So... Yes, it's fairly nice around here. It's actually not far from a place called Puzzlewood, where they recently started filming episode 7. So, yes, I live on the forest moon of Yarvin. It's very nice. <laughs> now, last month, Grant, you mentioned that you were out of the collecting game. But yes. I know for a fact that you've added at least one piece to your collection this month. So, uh, what have you been purchasing? Um, well, I've, I've got one actual physical piece, but I've actually been, I've actually been collecting lots of digital stuff that you can get off the internet, like documentaries and stuff like that. So I managed to pick up lots of rare documentaries and, um, some deleted scenes and stuff that I didn't have in my library. So I've been chasing down that kind of stuff, some music I didn't have. Uh, I have managed to get a, uh, Canadian TIE Fighter pilot card back, which is very nice. But hopefully next month when we have this conversation, I'll have a lot more to say. <laughs> Wonderful. Stuart, have you bought <laughs> anything this month? Not, not a lot, Benjamin. Not a lot. Um, I've picked no. up a few more loose, few more loose figures from uh, LDS off the forum and Ian, who also sent my son an FX7 figure for free. 
which he loves, and more importantly, it means he's not putting my one out of my collection in his sandpit. <laughs> um, I've also purchased the new Star Wars novel, A New Dawn, which I'll be starting to read in the next few days. Uh, finally picked up Plastic Galaxy on DVD and thoroughly enjoyed that. Mm. Um, now, you two, Ben and Rich, you both picked up a, uh, a run of the perfumed erasers from Ollie Suds. Well, I picked up a display box for the uh, perfumed erasers from Ollie Suds, so he's done a good bit of business out of us boys this month. And the only other thing I've really purchased was um, Return of the Jedi pin badge, but I also purchased a Return of the Jedi necklace. And in all honesty, it's got to be the most hideous thing I've ever seen in my life. If anyone ever wore one, you've got to be... You've got no class. I'm sorry. You're, you're shocking. You need killing. Um, but that is it. I'm keeping my money back for uh, the um, fact event in Belgium and farthest from. Now, Pete, I believe you have a question for us all. I do have a wonderful question for you all, my little flowers. What is your favourite toy droid in the Star Wars universe of collecting-y type things? Your favourite droid. Come on, Richard. You always got the answer. What's your favourite droid and why? My favourite droid is R5-D4. Um, the little figure's... Um, it's a genius. It's, it's such a shame that its head didn't pop off. It would have been great... You know, when they, they came up with the sensor score for R2 and stuff, it would have been great to have some kind of mechanism on R5-D4 that you could just press and the top would pop off. Um, but what I like about it is... The, the colours are so bright and vivid. I know it's, it's, you know, it's very, very similar to R2, but I don't think the blue and white on R2 works as well as what the red and white does on R5-D4. Um, so, so that gets my favourite. Also, it's got the best card back. R5-D4 is the best card back of any, any of the card backs going from the Star Wars line right up to Power of the Force. I have to say, that is one of the only, one of the only, uh, Star Wars, you know, um, logoed card backs on that sort of original sort of 20 odd line. Which I've actually got that, along with him and uh, Luke Farmboy. They're the only sort of Star Wars, start the early Star Wars car backs. But uh, yeah, I do like that one. Rich, you said that you wanted um, an R5D4 one with a, a pop-off head, but obviously there would have been issues back in the day which they had with a rocket firing Boba Fett. But ironically, the Power of the Force 2 R5D4 came with a rocket. So there we go. The circle is complete. Get it, Rich. Get it. Get it, and you can live your fantasy. Right, Ben, you look like a droid. What's your favourite? Uh, I'm a bit of a traditionalist when it comes to droids. I disagree with Rich. Um, I think R2-D2 is the better of the two. I prefer the colour, blue and white, uh, being a Spurs supporter. I can't stand the red on R5-D4. Yeah, he's just the uh, the iconic droid from the film. I like the action figure. I like the shiny dome and the clickiness. I like the fact that he's got three different incarnations and... I think the original R2-D2 photo art on the card back is very good. That's one of my, uh, my favourites as well. And Stu, you, you're the height of a very small droid. What's your favourite? Well, I, I agree with Ben there. R2-D2, the card back, the original card back, is probably my favourite card back out of the entire range of figures. I think it's lovely. Um, I do love him, and I do love the power droid, but I have to say IG-88. I've always loved him as a figure... So he's my favourite droid. Is it because of his bendy limbs that fall off? Is that what you like? I think it was a figure that I had from childhood, given to me by one of my grandparents, and I, it's one of the figures I've still got. I still love him. He was just different, and he was just, um, just love him. I sometimes go to bed with him and have a little cuddle. Which um, variation's your favourite of the IG idiots, uh, Stu? 
Um, I like I like the grey over the, the silver. The dull dull grey one. Yeah, yeah. Yep. It looked like it's a bit more worn rather than um, is a bounty hunter flying through the galaxy. The shiny one's a bit bit more in place for me. Uh, do you know what? I always find uh, IG-88 really hard to get as a child. I never got one. And one of the reasons was it was always expensive. And um, when I, I can remember uh, getting the last sort of figures of the Imperial Dignitary and R2-D2 pop-up saber when they came out, and you could get them for 99p, but IG-88 was always £2.50. That's something I just remember from my childhood, and I was never able to get the figure. My my nan and granddad, they used to, used to have an IG-88. I don't know why. On top of their fridge in their um, in their house, and it was there for about two years. I was always playing with it when I went around it, and one day they just said, "You can have that today." And I was so made up. Really? I love it. Did that at IG years? Used to have little markings on the side, and then have like Stew age three, Stew age four, Stew age five, and then <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then it stopped. <laughs> That's very good. Very good with <laughs> What's your, your favourite droid, my little Welsh flower? Well, I think the R5-D4 card back is probably one of the top five card backs. Brilliant. Um, but I like EV-99, so um, I'll go for um, I'll go for a power droid. Could you um, explain the logic behind that decision there, Grant? Because you seem to be going through a process <laughs> on the podcast which was leading to an inevitable outcome, and yet you didn't quite reach it. You kind of just said random droids. I, I like I like Star Wars. Yeah, you love Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> What's your favourite Star Wars thing, Grant? Um, my mum. Oh, bless. Was she in Star Wars? Yeah, she was uh, EV ninety nine. Like I said. Was she? Yeah. Well, yeah, it's pretty evil EV ninety nine. If you believe the uh, the backstory. Uh, you know, you do the washing up if she's around. That's for sure. Yeah. She'll burn oh. your feet. Excellent. Hey, Grant. Yes, wait. Is she friends with Pam Rose? Um, no. Not no, she was in Star Wars as well. Was she? Apparently so. <laughs> She's making a killing out of it, isn't she? I, I, I'll let you guys in on a secret. I find out what Pam Rose is doing, and from that I write the event section. <laughs> 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 but that's because I love her, man. She's awesome, so no, no worries. Have you got, like, access to our Outlook diary? What events are happening this month? Oh, Pam Rose is very busy. What about you, Pete? Uh, so what's your favourite droid? Oh, oh, let me have a think. Well, I was going to say the power droid, but Grant's ruined it now. So, um, <laughs> but because he was... Uh, as a kid, I didn't like it because it was rubbish. It was just a box on feet. But then, later in life, it became really cool. So, because it just go, it just walks around and goes bonk a lot. I thought... Oh, you know, I'm kind of torn. I'm kind of torn between that and CDPO with the removal arms. You know, him and his him and his little rucksack with Chewbacca. I mean, that's brilliant. A, a portable droid that can be your own little friend on your backpack. So I'm going to say CDPO, but mangled, and actually done. Ben um, Ben on the podcast often sits there and goes gonk against his mic a lot during the podcast, doesn't it? Ben could be a gonk droid. I'm, I'm not convinced. I don't think I've really seen him in, in the flesh. He might just be a bloke, a box on a, on feet. I just don't know. Some people level that at me sometimes. Big box on you, feet. You have, um, I was going to say, you have met me, and uh, you know that I'm not a box on feet, and I was about to say it's ironic because you're like a wardrobe on legs. So. Exactly. I could be a massive bonk droid. You just don't know. Right, well, let, let's move this on then. 
Um, and let's go over to Ben for this month's latest acquisition segment. Hi guys, this is Grant from Star Wars Forum UK Podcast. Just a quick message to say thank you for listening to our podcast. Uh, We had no idea if anyone was listening, but we've since located some details that we'd like to share with you. In the five episodes that we've done, we have received 37,100 feed hits with 4,260 plays. What really has surprised us is that 43% of our listeners are from outside of the UK. So a big hello to all of our listeners in the United States, Canada, Sweden, Australia, the Netherlands, Spain, Ireland, Norway, Belgium, China, France, Germany, South Africa, Mexico, the Russian Federation, the Czech Republic, Austria, Denmark, New Zealand, Japan, Turkey, Philippines, Poland and Finland. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, We are humbled by these figures and inspired to work even harder, bringing you more entertaining and more celebration of vintage Star Wars. May the Force be with you, always. Uh, this month's latest acquisition thread's been moving along quite nicely. There's been quite a few interesting things that have appeared in there. So I've picked a few out that have caught my eye. I'm going to go back to the original format of this section, I think. Last month's didn't seem to work very well. So uh, let's um, let's talk about some of these things on this thread. First up, what I wanted to talk about is not actually Star Wars, uh, but Star Wars related, and that is Spoons has picked up a couple of figures from the Robin Hood Prince of Thieves Kenner range in 1992 um, they're loose fryer tucks now you're probably thinking what the hell are we talking about these for but um, they're quite interesting because they're made of recycled parts and Kenner did this with a few items from its Robin Hood Prince of Thieves range uh, the only figure that um, they did this with was the fry tuck figure and if you look at it you can see pretty obviously that it's basically got the nappy in the bottom half of a Gamorrean guard that's been painted up as a human. Uh, it does come with a cloak, and I suppose the reasoning must have been that since they didn't really know what Fry Tuck had underneath his cowl, that they could just put any old thing in there, and whether or not they had the Gamorrean guard moulds lying around and thought, yeah, let's just recycle these. Who knows? But they've reused this particular figure to make these Fry Tucks. And they've also recycled a couple of the Ewoks playsets and the vehicle, I suppose you could call it, the Ewok battle wagon, which was never in the uh, Star Wars film, has been recycled as a Robin Hood battle wagon, which was never in the Robin Hood Prince of Thieves film. And the Ewok village was recycled as the Sherwood Forest playset. 
this isn't the only time that Kenner have been known to use recycled parts in other toy lines. Uh, and also, Palatoy as well used a few of their toy parts in, uh, in other toy lines. So, I don't know if you guys know of any of the other toy lines where Kenner have recycled Star Wars. Uh, Richard? Yeah, um, actually, before Star Wars, um, the $6 million man, uh, there were three items that I can think of that were reused in Star Wars. Uh, you had um, mainly oddball items like a paint set. Uh, I think there was uh, a toothbrush, if I remember right, and one of those AM headsets. Uh, I think you can get a Luke Skywalker AM headset. That Those were all reused from the $6 million man line. But there's quite a few items that were reused in Star Wars. Um, obviously, the, 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 the most famous one probably is the Creature Cantina which was reused as the, the Real West Cowboy playset. Obvious ones, such as the 12-inch Han and the 12-inch Indy figure, were pretty much the same mould, but they had different uh, paint ops for Harrison Ford's head. Uh, the, t- the action display stand for the first 12 was reused for the Glamour Girls. I think one... Does anyone know if one of the laser rifles was reused? You know, those early Star Wars laser li- uh, rifles, I, I think one of those was reused for another line. And some less obvious ones, such as the Star Wars walkie-talkies, I think um, they were used for Batman, and I'm pretty sure that was just uh, slapping on another sticker, and that's that's what they become. Um, and I suppose if you wanted to be really nitpicky, you could probably say that the SSP vans and things like that were out before Star Wars, and then they just got the Star Wars slapped on them, uh, reused items. And obviously they did that because the, the cost of these and the cost of more things are, are, are in the design. So if you're spending all that money on design and tooling, die casting, injection molding, etc., etc., um, and you've got another toy range coming out, then then why would you go through all that expense again when you can reuse what's already there? Just give it a different colour, perhaps put another bit of cardboard in, slap a different sticker on, and it becomes a new item to save it, save a fortune and costs. One of the interesting things with these Fry Tuck figures that I've read whilst I've been doing my research is the actual detailing on these, despite the fact that they were made in 92, was better than the detailing on the Gamorian Guard. So it wasn't just a case of reusing the mould. Obviously, they took it and reused it, but they must have had one of their sculptors do some fine detailing. The medallion that is on the Gamorian Guard has disappeared, and a knife, I think, appears on the on the side of Friar Tuck. And a few other details were made a lot crisper and a lot clearer. So they, they they did do a little bit of work, I suppose. The, the Ewok battle wagon and the, the Ewok village also are slightly different. They've been they've been slightly modified for the Robin Hood line of uh, of toys. I think they also recycled a lot of the Star Wars weapons in something called the Droids range, which um, is another one of their toy lines. But I don't really know a great deal about that. Uh, Stuart, yeah, when when we were uh, when I was growing up, one of my older siblings had a the old treetop house. I don't know if any of you knew what this was. It was like a, it was basically a tree, which you press down the top and it opened up into a house. And like the Fisher re- Price thing, was it? Or? Re- yeah, that kind, that kind of toy. But they rehashed that and made it into the, uh, into an Ewok family hut in the Kenner's preschool range. It's basically exactly the same toy, but it's painted yellow, and they've done away with a car and put in a little, um, little something for the Ewoks to travel in. So, but uh, that was basically identical. The photos I've seen of that. The rooms and everything. Yeah, the the remodeling of the uh, Ewok village. 
Uh, the problem is, I think, is that the Prince of Thieves, was it? Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, their figures were actually six inches tall. So even though they were on Ewok Village, they were giants. So even though, the, you know, that, that didn't quite work as well. What is really interesting, though, is uh, our friend Dave Tree uh, did a, he does a presentation for his Paddy Toy archive, and that's based on uh, the work that Paddy Toy were doing with Star Wars. And Paddy Toy had its own license at the same time called Action Force, which is sort of like their answer to G.I. Joe. And what Paddy Toy were doing was that they were using components from the Star Wars line, the Kenner Star Wars line, basically using those components for their own Action Force toys. So you'd have things like the Scout Walker hatch would be found and guns and, you know, if you found uh, some of the action figures would have, like, the Han Solo blasters in it. I'm not actually 100% sure. We should get David Trion to uh, to discuss it. The, uh, the amount of cross-contamination, I guess, between licensees and parts which would never it would never happen today i mean the court case would be massive but uh yeah they used to get away with stuff like that back then which is and it's uh yeah it's the presentation i saw was fascinating and i think uh definitely something we should look into he's written a bit on those as well because i've um i've read a little bit about it in the past and i think the falcon radar dish is another one that appears on one of the yeah toy action force uh but like you say it's it's incredible to think that it I suppose it's like a company these days maybe producing a computer exclusively for one manufacturer, but siphoning bits off the side and putting them in their own product without the other manufacturer noticing. It would never and happen today. You know, well, it's basically, yeah, ripping off, isn't it? Yeah, massively. But a fascinating part of the uh, history of Star Wars in Britain, I think. Whilst we're talking about spoons, I just also wanted to mention a couple of bits about his... Uh, first shot is INT first shot that we were talking about a couple of podcasts ago and I'm only going to touch on this briefly but we were talking about the difference between his first shot and the actual finished article that was sold as the toy uh, and he got back to us and basically what it is on the two fold down wings on the actual production version there's like a raised rib that basically structurally strengthens the the wing so obviously they produced the first shots and whether or not they had a problem with these wings bending or snapping so they thought basically we'll put a a rib in and strengthen the wing a bit to stop it from bending so that's what uh, that's what the difference is between his well not the only difference but the the real difference between his first shot and the actual production item so a bit of uh, interesting information there okay there's been a few people that have picked up some interesting loose figures uh, not necessarily anything super duper but a couple of little things i wanted to mention first one was walkie who got an atst driver uh, loose for nine pounds in really good condition which is not something that um, will excite anybody i don't suppose but what was uh, nice about this one is the atst driver is supposed to come with a an endor blaster which this one did but it came with the solid black Endor Blaster as opposed to the grey-blue Endor Blaster that they normally come with. And this weapon is only found with the A-Wing pilot and the Imperial Gunner, and it's far rarer than the grey-blue one. So just basically when you're buying these loose figures, it pays to keep your eyes peeled because you never know what bonuses you might find um, as opposed to most people ending up with repro weapons this uh, this particular loose one came with a with a black blaster. 
Uh, Richard, have you got a question about this? Uh, no, it's just a statement. Um, the black indoor blaster is easily going for twenty to twenty-five pound now. Um, so I think that's an absolute cracking score. Um, yeah, th- there won't be a shortage of people wanting to buy that blaster if he's going to sell it. Well, I say it really pays to keep your eyes peeled and maybe know your weapons. Um, the Imperial Gunnery is probably one of the best resources for checking which versions of what are quite common weapons are particularly rare. Maybe they only turned up with one or two figures as opposed to assuming that they may have come with several of the figures that would have had that type of weapon. Uh, another another good example of that would be Stormtrooper Blasters, Jet Black Stormtrooper Blasters, which we obviously know only turned up with, I think, certain droids figures and the Luke Skywalker in the Stormtrooper outfit. A little bit of an interesting side thread that came out of this, which I'm not going to go into, but it's worth a read if you're after one of these, and I had no idea. Uh, the black Endor blasters come with the A-Wing pilot and the Imperial gunner. There is a very, very subtle difference between the two, which uh, Walkie, I think, has highlighted. It's um, it's tiny, but they are actually different weapons depending on the figure. So have a look at what uh, he's written in the thread and uh, check your blasters. Now, Poncho Belts also picked up a nice loose figure, which is a short mouth biker scout. And this variant is its quite a cool variant because it's a genuine variant. And by that, I mean, not that I discredit all the uh, different COOs or the different colours, but this is one that's, that's quite visibly different to the normal biker scout that we see quite a lot. The difference between this uh, biker scout and a normal biker scout is the mouthpiece of the normal biker scout sort of starts and goes down to the bottom of the helmet but doesn't end whereas this one is in a defined shape and there's a little bit of white across the bottom of the helmet so it's effectively like a very small mouthpiece within the helmet rather than filling up the entire front Uh, go on the the thread and have a look at it if you want to know what my description uh, my description actually is not as good as it could be so perhaps have a look at the thread these particular biker scouts are made in Mexico and they're made either released as Lily Leddy variants or they're released on Kenner cards but Kenner made in Mexico cards. So these are found on both. They can be picked up loose with the standard biker scout blaster which would have been packaged with them on the Kenner made in Mexico cards which were sold in the states alternatively there is a lily leddy blaster which came with some of them it's identical to the kenner blaster but the mold is ever so slightly different it's a darker color and it's also got a letter uh, i think and richard will probably come in and correct me if this is wrong but i think it's either got the letter a b or d on the mold of the blaster because these blasters only came with the actual Lily Leddy carded biker scouts rather than the made in Mexico ones which were sold in the USA, these blasters are far rarer than the Kenner equivalent. And if you can get one of these figures with the blaster, you've got a pretty rare and a pretty valuable thing. It's um, something that people like to try and get these blasters to complete Leddy runs and they are a lot rarer. Um, the Lady Baker Scout, you could probably pick one of them for about £25. So that is 
substantially more than the um, the typical Kenna one, but it's the weapon that's a lot more difficult to get. And I think the weapon, the last I saw one for sale, was vulnerable to £35 mark. So, so it's heading towards, you know, £50, £55 for one that's complete. Has anybody got one of these short, short-mouthed biker scouts in their collection? Yeah, I've got, I've got one, but I don't have the weapon. I'm not really that fussed about the weapon, actually. I don't know why. The final loose figure that I'd like to talk about this month is a power droid that Rob E. Marsh picked up. Not a particularly rare figure. He's got one in uh, nice condition, I think, for £8.50. But the real thing that made this stand out to me was the seller obviously bought this figure in Italy, or it came via Italy, and sent him the card back with it without him asking for it or even advertising it as part of the sale. And it's it's turned up with a Harbour 20 back card back. Now, Harbour were the distributor for Star Wars figures in Italy and these card backs are pretty funky things. So these uh, Harbour cards are pretty similar to Star Wars cards but they feature the uh, the Italian Gerstellari. I don't know if I've absolutely butchered that or not but uh, that's how it looks to me and yeah they're a little bit different a little bit unique and this card back that the guy basically gave him is certainly worth a lot more than the £8.50 that he paid for the power droid. A couple of people put valuations on it, and they were saying around about the hundred bucks if you uh, deal in American money. So somewhere about maybe seventy quid, if my quick maths is correct. So that was a bit of a bargain. He he swapped it out because he doesn't collect foreign card backs, and he's traded it for some diecast, I think. So he got a nice little bonus with his purchase. I think you're missing the best part of this out, though, Ben. Because when he put it up in the valuation thread, uh, Jason Smith, Mr. Palatoy, he, he said, yeah, I'd like that, it's really nice, etc., etc., and I, I think a deal was being made. But then Funkster, who's a known power droid, uh, collector, he then came on a bit later on and was gutted, oh, I, I really like this card, it's a shame I've missed it, etc., etc., and then Jason stepped aside for Frank to complete the trade, which I think is the best part of it, because that really shows the community spirit. It, it was nice. I think what happened there was Frank had helped uh, Rob P. Marsh with the valuation of this particular card back because he had no idea what it was worth. I think he was quite surprised to have got it. And um, I, I got the impression maybe that he wasn't particularly familiar with the Harbour card back and it just sort of turned up. So he'd been speaking to Frank about what Frank thought the value might, might be uh, amongst other people. And I think in the meantime... Uh, Jason expressed an interest in it, as we, as well, don't know if any of you guys know, and I think we've got Jason coming up quite soon as an interview guest, so we'll talk about it in the future, but Jason's quite a big card back collector. Jason expressed an interest, and I think Robert misread that not only was Frank helping him value it, but Frank was also very, very interested. So, basically, Jason said to Frank, if, you were, if you'd been interested in it first... No problem, I'll step aside, I'll do the honourable thing. And it was, it's nice because it restores your faith in the collecting community a little bit. Uh, the fact that people are still willing to help people out in this day and age. And yeah, it was really nice. So Frank's ended up with a card back and uh, Rob has ended up with, as I said before, some die cast vehicles that he was after. And uh, Jason ends up with uh, a load of karma and... Uh, I've said to him, I'll buy him a drink for uh, 
doing the honourable thing when we get to farthest from. The next item I'd like to talk about is a pickup that Benny 100 has got, and it's a die-cast land speeder. Now, we spoke uh, in a previous podcast about a few of these uh, mint-on-card die-casts, and it got quite a good response. People seem to quite like that. And we'd also spoken a little bit about the foreign distributors, uh, the Clippers and the Palatoys and the Kenners. And then this guy took, crops up, and, and it's a Takara Landspeeder. So it's Japanese. The card back looks really, really cool because they've taken a lot of the text and translated it into Japanese. Now, I tried to do a little bit of research on these, and I basically discovered that the world of Japanese die-cast is quite a murky and a very difficult to understand thing. As far as I can see, Takara released three Kenner die-cast vehicles on these Takara backs, which were basically Kenner backs, but they translated most of the text through into Japanese. And that was the Land Speeder, the X-Wing and the TIE Fighter. So these are all available on this livery. But at the same time, they were also producing a line of die-cast toys under the Zetka Space Alloy branding. And these are some really weird Japanese collectible items. There's a few figures and there's a few vehicles, but they're sort of like solid pieces. And the Zetka Landspeeder, and they did do a version of the Landspeeder, it sort of looks like something you might expect to find on a trophy. It's it's this funny, solid gold land speeder that looks like it might be at home on a Monopoly board or something like that. It's, it's a bit bigger, but... And I couldn't find anything out about these Kenner Takara uh, die-casts, like this land speeder. Now, the reason it caught my eye is because I, I do quite like these die-casts, and on this card back, it looked completely funky. But I'm a little bit of a, a loss as to these things. So I don't know if any of you can sort of fill me in about these die-casts. Yeah, Ben, I've been looking at this um, Takara die-cast, and it, it, it is a, f- a funny, uh, and you're describing it as a funky card back. I, I agree with that. Two things I'm going to notice, though. Most of the text is in Japanese, except on the front it has die-cast metal in high-impact plastic. So it's, it's interesting that they kept that as English, but yet they managed to translate all the other uh, bits into Japanese. So I wonder if there were perhaps some Japanese kids who <laughs> weren't aware what that meant when they were young and perhaps the, the thought, I wonder if this means, you know, fantastic vehicle from the new movies or something like those lines. It would be interesting to see what, uh, what they thought of that. But the second thing is uh, the card back. Now if you have a look at the card back on the Kenner and the Palatoy, they advertise the X-Wing, the TIE Fighter, and the Landspeeder, but they advertise them as the large plastic Viagles. And it was only when I looked at the Takara card back again, because I thought, hold on a second, Takara didn't do those large plastic Viagles. If you look at the Takara card back, they actually advertise the X-Wing, the TIE Fighter, and the Landspeeder, but they are advertising the die-cast Viagles, which is different from the uh, Palatoy and Kenner ones and it's very noticeable if you look at the land speeder so if you look at the the card back and if you look at the land speeder on the Takara you can see Luke and 3PO sitting in the in the cockpit 
But then if you jump to the Kenna chord back or the Palatoy chord back, it's um they're, they're not in that fiacre. So obviously I can't read the I can't read the Japanese in the back there, but uh, it's very obvious that they're referring to the diecast vehicles and not the large plastic vehicles because they weren't available. Mind blowing or what? Um, I find that really interesting. It is absolutely fascinating. No, I, I was just going to add that um, we always think that cross borders and cross countries uh, with uh, product translations always, you know, always one hundred percent. But I mean, you think some some of the largest uh, companies make a complete mess of this stuff. So, um, I mean, think of the, there was a game when I, I was younger called Continental Circuit, and they made a mess of the spelling, and it got translated as Continental Circus. And uh, all the games that were released over here got called Continental Circus. No one could w- work out what on earth a computer game about a racing car had to do with a circus. But it was just a, a misspelling of the Jap- well, effectively the Japanese translation got messed up. So uh, for, for the, the game and all its variants got released over here with a stupid spelling mistake, which wasn't actually a spelling mistake as such, but it looked stupid. Um, so it might be something along the, those kind of things that that you end up with this product differentiation because things didn't translate very well. One thing that I say about these Japanese, I mean, we've looked at a bit about the Takara and the Tuscuda, and also we've spoken a bit about the Poppy line of Japanese, but of all the licensees who had Star Wars distributor licenses in foreign countries, I think, it's fair to say the Japanese probably used the most artistic license in the things that they created with their license and the changes that they made to the packaging and the sort of weird and random things that they that they produced. Yeah, that was the same with the movie posters as well. So they did seem to have a different sort of license out there. Uh, a lot of the artwork uh, used for the promotion of Star Wars in uh, in the Far East seems very different to that that was used in the West. So yeah, I'm not sure the reason behind that. Why the reason behind that is maybe they did uh, they looked at their audience and thought that their audience had different sort of needs or you know sort of desires or interests or whatever. But yeah, it does seem that there is a whole different way of marketing and advertising Star Wars in the East than it was uh, to us. A lot of you might have also noticed that on the latest acquisitions forum, a large amount of Ian Itavaka Ian's house has appeared in various people's hands as he had his uh, house sale quite recently. So a lot of people did quite well out of that. A lot of box play sets and some nice loose figures and things like that. Um, I did notice that uh, Jedi Masters had picked up quite a nice R2-D2 with a pop-up lightsaber. Now... I'd have thought these might have been in demand, and as Ian is the man that people normally go to for these sort of things, I'm quite surprised that... Um, Rich, weren't you after one of those? The Landspeeder? No, the um, R2-D2 with a pop-up lightsaber. Oh, yes. Um, yes, I, I was. Um, did you not think to ask Ian before he left to America? I did. I asked Ian quite a few times, but every time I've asked Ian for an R2 pop-up saber, he's, he's, he never seems to have one. And he'd said that um, he actually wanted one for himself, for his own collection. So, you know, like, Ian's been here, and he, he's, he's had to pack up a lot of his things as he heads off to his date, so he's a busy guy. He's obviously bought up a bulk collection, and then there's one up he had in there, and I've just been missed off. But I, I, w- I will forgive him one day, eventually. 
I spoke to Chris actually the other day, and apparently Ian was giving a was giving a R two D two with a pop up lightsaber away to every single person that came. He had so many of them in between out in the back garden, smashing at at heads with a hammer. He was just giving them away. Yeah, that's probably my look. Yeah. Yeah, Ian. Just before you go to America, please, please, can you send me the at at? I want. <laughs> I'm desperate for it. Desperate for the old cheap at at. I'm building an attack for a friend for his for Christmas, and uh, it's getting far too close. Uh, I only asked about four months ago, so please an appeal for Ian. He left last week. Oh no, Ian, come back! <laughs> he's gone, Pete. And what will make you even more sick is he's no. taken his entire suitcase full of yak faces with him, which well, is basically right. the only currency he's going to use in America. He said he didn't need dollars; he'd just use yak faces. <laughs> well, I know because he, uh, but he had one. He didn't sign on the cheeky guest, but. Ian, in America, yeah? <laughs> Send me an at I'll come and get you. The final thing I wanted to talk about in this month's latest acquisitions is uh, a post by Dennis, uh, Stargeezer, and a similar, similar situation to myself, where he and his wife have just had a little girl called Anora, born on the 23rd of September. So I think on behalf of the podcast like to say congratulations on your latest arrival Dennis you're here who's got the cutest baby be in competition next month yeah no I've got the have I got the cutest baby I've never met my children I have no <laughs> idea where they are they must be plastered all around different parts of the globe no I was thinking because Ben's had a child and Dennis has had a child maybe we could spicy splice some Revenge of the Sith baby music and then um then Ben would be happy and wouldn't complain about the rave music that we used to book uh, bookend his section last month. So he could have some, you know, Star Wars baby music this month. I wonder if we could find the baby music, but in rave form. <laughs> no, 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 no. Introduce the midi-glorians And 
What's the deal with having me be dumped over? But you didn't have to change it all. Make them like they never happened and the fans are nothing. I don't even need your love. You treat me like a panther and I feel so rough. No, you didn't have to make them blow. Have your friends direct your movies and they'll turn out better. You think that you don't need them? No. What happened to the songs that I Times I screwed fans over. I had them believing that the first three films were really done. But Star Wars will be done my way. I don't care what they have to say. I think that they should let it go, and they'll never get a Blu-ray of the Star Wars that you used to know. Didn't have to change. Okay, that was Star Wars that I used to know by Teddy Films. I'd just like to say a big thank you for Teddy Films for allowing us to use uh, that song. I think they've done a fantastic job on it, and it kind of reflects what our, our, the majority, I would say, the majority of our first-generation Star Wars fans feel. So if you want to find out more about the kind of amazing stuff that Teddy Films do, you can find them at www.teddyfilms.com. That's T-E-D-D-I-E films.com. Right, I want to give a huge warm welcome to one of the most popular members on the Star Wars Forum UK. He goes under his pseudonym of Jedi Masters. We're here with Chris Mann this evening. Good evening, Chris. Good evening, Stuart. And also joining me for Chris's interview this evening is the podcast member, Rich Hutchinson. Rich, you alright? Yeah, I'm fine. Welcome, Chris. How are you, Rich? You alright? Yeah, I'm fine, thanks. Chris, back on the um, on the debut podcast, we spoke about your uh, 
your fantastic achievement in the London Marathon. It was obviously yeah. just, just finished as we were recording. So first of all, I just want to say huge congratulations. You seem to do a fair amount of charity work, I've noticed, when I've been stalking you, everything to do with you. And you often do it, you did the London Marathon for a charity called RAF. What is that? It's a charity that is quite close to home for me. Um, it's basically, it stands for Restoration of Appearance and Function Trust. Um, so basically they work a lot with uh, firefighters, army personnel, burns victims. They, they basically do anything with repair appearance, basically. So burns, cancers, um, skin, skin abnormalities, anything like that. My wife's got a burn from her elbow to her wrist and... I also did have a friend that worked for them. She's just left the charity, actually, but um, I had a friend that worked there, so I felt like raising some money for them. Do what does all your charity work? You always do it for Raft, yeah? Well, that was the second thing I've done for them. I've done Movember for them as well. I started to do it for them, and I'm, I did pledge to raise quite a large amount of money for them sort of over the years to come in the tune of, well, I think you guys know, £250,000, which, you know, it's a big goal. But it was it was one that at the time it would just keep me going. But unfortunately, circumstances in my life have changed. So I am now hoping to raise money for a different charity. And I've spoken to Raft, and they fully understand my position. Obviously, I'd, I'd love to see you with a tash. Actually, did you get did you grow a big one? I did. I, I, it, uh, I you know, if I do it again, I'll do it totally differently. Um, it started off with a goatee. I'm never too sure what I'd look like with a tash, and I know my wife's never keen on them. Um, so to start off with, it was a goatee. Junior chub, uh, Chris, on the forum, basically said to me, I have to turn up to farthest from with a full-on handlebar, you know, moustache. For me, I've got one of the best pictures ever of me with Gus and Duncan with my handlebar moustache. Uh, I love it. Awesome picture. It is on the forum somewhere. Or go to uh, Dave's... Facebook page for his Father's From is on there as well. Right. I was going to mention that I think the first time I saw you was at Father's From, and I always remember you had that um, moustache in, in, in the goatee. But did you keep it going for a while after November? I don't think you got rid of it straight away, did you? No, I had it for I had it for I think about a week after, but after that, the, the missus had tolerated it enough, so uh, it had to go. I quite enjoyed it, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd gladly do it again any day, it was quite fun, and, you know, next time I'd maybe look at not handlebar moustache, do something different, you know, just go crazy, really, it was quite fun. Well, November's only about five weeks away, pal. Yeah, exactly, I know, it's creeping up. Well, obviously, with your with your marathon running, you've got to be fairly fit to, have a, to even just finish it, you know. Now, obviously, looking through your thing, your items and your Facebook and everything to, to get some interview questions sorted, I came across at the end of June that you... Started the insanity workout. <laughs> Did you yeah. complete it? No, <laughs> in, in simple words. Um, no, it is insane. It, it does live up to its title. It's very repetitive, I have to say that. So it does get a bit boring, and, and uh, Jez on the forum will back me up on this because he actually completed it. It's it's hard going, and you, you've got to have time to do it. I, I basically stopped because I've got two young kids. Um, my wife doesn't get in from work till six, half six in the evening. Um, and I was just getting frustrated trying to find the time to, to do it, basically. So I, I, you know, rather than cause arguments in the family, I just decided to to, to knock it on the head for now. Uh, it's something I will go back to, and I, I am determined to complete it. But yeah, no, I, I had to stop it, unfortunately. Let's uh, let's move this interview on then to your to what we're here for then, Star Wars. First of all, the first things first that you notice when you research you is that you're a forum member from 2006. 
which yes. is from the start. Um, how did you come across the forum? I, I, I signed up on the original one, um, which was then lost when he was transferring it over to a new database or new systems or something. And then, I, from what I can remember, you know, it's a long time ago, from what I can remember, I just saw um, some adverts that, he, that were on certain eBay auctions. I, I, I can't think of whose auctions they were. They may have been Ed Jedi's. Um, and it was just a banner directing you to the new Star Wars forum. When the original one disappeared, you know, I was, you know, it was just, oh, you know, where's it gone? So when I saw them, I, you know, quickly came across and signed back up again. And um, it was very quiet for, for years on it, to be honest with you. It's probably a few years from 2006 where I, I didn't even look on the forum. It's only in the last three to four years I've got heavily involved. Chris, what do you think's been the biggest change in the forum since 2006? It's evolved a lot, you know, number of members, the, the people that are on it. Um, it's amazing. You see, you see forum members that are posting regularly and then they disappear. You know, it's, it's, it's changes like that which throw you a little bit because you think, oh, you know, the post count's quite high and you know you're regularly chatting to them, and then all of a sudden they disappear. I mean, you know, Jedi June's disappeared recently. But it's also the format, and just just the way it's run over the years, it, it's 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 changed in a good way. You know, it, it sort of lets things just run as they are. You know, we we can have a bit of banter on there. You know, okay, sometimes it's a bit over the top, but I kind of I prefer it that way. At least you can you can have that banter and have a joke, and you know, you can always say what you want. And if you do go overboard, there's plenty of people to let you know. Uh, and I think it runs smooth. It runs well that way, rather than it being you know least like there's just you can't do anything unless it goes through a certain protocol you know yeah no it's why it's, it's a very well run forum i'm pleased to announce that jedi june has actually made a reappearance in the last couple of weeks he's um has he? oh. yeah he, he popped back up a couple of weeks ago and um can you remember q yes so it's, it's, it's nice to see these guys coming back yeah. um thinking back to 2006 and to the forum now did it have the same amount of sub forums and sub threads but were there always like off topic sections and um, was there always a limelight section stuff oh it's, it's difficult to say because i'd say back then i kind of signed up and then sort of disappeared for a couple of years i really don't know i think it's been i think it's roughly the same I, there's always been obviously your vintage section your modern I'm pretty sure there was an off-topic, but like the feedback and the sales sections evolved over the years, just to give, I suppose, people more of an idea of what people are like and you know, trusted seller, trusted buyer. But I think it's pretty much, yeah, I think it pretty much has stayed the same. Do you post on any of the other forums? Do you know what I've tried? I, I've tried on RS. I don't know. I just don't get on with it. Um, same with Tig, really. Uh, you know, I sort of I have posted a few bits on there. I kind of mainly use that one for reference guides. Star Wars Forum is, is my home. It's, it's where all my posting is done, really. I notice you're actually um, only 36 posts away from being 3,000 posts. Yeah, I noticed that as well when I was uh, dabbling while waiting for you guys. Yeah, I'll have to... Uh, You'll be making an effort the next couple of days. I reckon that'll be gone. I'll have to do a few smileys like Liam does. <laughs> On every single thread. That's it, yeah, that's the one. <laughs> you, could be, you could be a new moderator, then, so that, that's a secret, is it? Just smile. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, just do a few smiles, get your postcard up, and then you get your name in green. Have I got this right? Are you a postman? Uh, I am. Do you look after the parcels like they might just have that mock figure in there that needs delicately handling? I do, I do. I, you know, I've, I've just read him another, another thread from um, Palatoy78 or somebody about eBay and raw mail, I don't know which one I hate worse. Yeah, I, you know, I, I've, I've been in the business eight years now and it's, I'll admit I've seen some horrible things, just the way certain posters just 
you know, they're, they're, they're paid to deliver a parcel to look after it, you know. Um, things do happen sometimes that are out of your control. You can't help it. Um, we do get parcels in the office that are just crushed to pieces, especially from China. China seems, they, I don't know what they do with their parcels, but they just squash them. But no, I, I do, I take care of with everything I, I handle. And I'm not just saying that to, to be the good guy. I'm proud of my job. I'm proud of being a postie. I know... You know, we all have stuff coming through the post that potentially worth hundreds, possibly thousands of pounds. You know, it's nice to get it in the condition that you, you know, you've seen it in a picture. So, I think it must be frustrating, Chris, uh, reading some of the stories because you, you know yourself. Every organisation has good and bad workers, and it all seems to be the bad workers that gets reflected in the organisation. I'm going to stick up for you, Chris, because in the I don't know, in 15 years of sending parcels through Royal Mail. I've only had one go missing, and I've never had one arrive damaged. I'm singing the praises of Royal Mail. I've got a question for you, actually, and we've been leading up to this last couple of shows now. Okay. Mint on cards. Do you think that now is the time to stop sending mint on cards through the post? What, due to them getting damaged? Due to them breaking out of the bowls. And I'm not seeing that posties are not looking after them properly. To me, it doesn't matter how well you wrap them, these bubbles are getting so fragile that yeah. it's getting it's getting dangerous. It, it, yeah, it does it does concern me, you know, because as you guys know, I mainly collect mocks, so every time I buy a mock, it, it is a nervous wait for it to turn up. Um, the, the only way to get you know the the only way to get around it is you've got to go back to the old tradition of meetups, just everywhere all the time. You have to wait that little bit longer for that card if you if you want to pick it up in person. Yeah, it's a hard one. I, I don't know if. I mean, I think Ed Jedi has said on the forum recently about putting a band around the bubble. Um, I've thought about buying polystyrene blocks and cutting out the shape of the bubble and sort of putting it inside the inside the star case or acrylic to give it a bit of protection. But even with that, you know, if you if if the bubble's fragile, it's fragile and it's it's going to potentially break. So yeah, it, it's getting close. I think to a time where you know we're just going to have to stop sending mocks. I think. You'll throw off to Ian's at the weekend then, so you'll be loading your car up with a few mocks. At least you'll know those ones will get back safe, eh? Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm going to Ian's and I'm trying hard not to load my car up. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be, I've been to Ian's a couple of times now and uh, his collection is fantastic. It's, it's just the quantity of what he's got and, and condition, you know, he's spent years upgrading stuff. Some of his mocks, you, you would think they've just come off the factory line. It's immense what he's got. Uh, it's, it's, it's sad that he's got to sell it, but life is life. You've got to do what you've got to do. He's, you know, he's being realistic. It's it's probably going to be harder to take it all over there than it is to sell it off, you know. Being in America, you should be able to pick some of that stuff up. Again, reasonably cheap. Well, I would imagine cheaper than it would be over here, so... But yeah, I, I expect I will come away with a couple of bits. Uh, I say couple loosely. Glad you brought that up, Chris, because um, I'm after a favour if you're going to go down to um, Ian's house. Yep, no problems. Can you, wait, you might have to wear a helmet, can you ask Ian, does he have a spare at our head? <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay. Uh, I will ask him. I've already got a, a, a list from Grant as well. So. If you mention Rich, he probably won't give you it. Yes, if you mention my name, I might not get it. And <laughs> if you do get it, would you mind bringing it to Father's Farm for us? I'll be extremely... Oh, I have seen your conversation on the forum about Hat Head, so uh, <laughs> I know what that's about. So, yeah, no problems. Right. Let's go back then. Now, you said earlier you're um, you're a bit of a youngster. I, I, said I am. 84 I was born, so um, I can't say I was 
uh, around for the films. So. so when did you first see the films? What? Um, and how, obviously? Were they on the telly or was it when they were out on VHS? I think I first saw them on TV, but then I, I can remember my dad taking me to a rerun of Empire Strikes Back. I must have been I must have been nine or ten, I think. And for some reason, the cinema was just showing Empire Strikes Back. So obviously, you're not living through that original toy line. When did you start? Did you did you have the Star Wars toys as a child, or was it something that you you got into? I yeah, I had a few. I remember, I can still remember it to this day. My dad, um, I don't know where he got them from. I don't know, I don't know who, how, uh, but he just came home with this green box, um, and I opened it up, and inside was about eight figures. Not, not anything special. I think there was two Klaatus, uh AD8, Nikto, but you know the basic sort of Return of Jedi ones, and there was an AST5 in there which I still have today, albeit it's now my daughter's and it's broken, but I've still got it. And yeah, that was that was my first introduction in Star Wars. I say I don't know where it, where it got the stuff from. I don't even know if I mentioned that I like Star Wars. I don't know if he just somebody was getting rid of it and he brought it home on a on, you know on a on a whim and and uh, that's that's where it all started. So when did um when and why then did you get into into the vintage collecting? I don't know. I think it's always just fascinated me that toys survive in the way they do. You know, mock figures, you know, 30, 40 years old, just still in their bubbles, still no dents, card backs are pristine. It's always, it's always fascinated me. And I don't know what it is, but to me, they just look better than the modern stuff. They just got a bit more character about them, I think. If we move on to your collection, when I was looking through it, I've, I've gone with three main areas, okay? You're, uh, you're loose, but mainly focused around the droids and Ewoks. Ewoks, yep. sorry. I got corrected on that last podcast. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, the carded collection and your yep. Yoda focus. So let's start off with your uh, droids and Ewoks then. Done it again. Let's let's start off with your droids and Ewoks. Okay. From looking at your loose collection, you're clearly a fan of these two uh, ranges that came off the, um, the yep. spin-off shows. Do you have a full set of these loose figures of these two? I do. I do. I've I, I slaved away. I've... I've got a loose collection of, of the the, um, the rest of the figures as well, which I'm slowly putting together. Um, but I I got a couple of them, and then I just went on a on a mad buying spree, just just trying to complete the set. Um, yeah, I remember being trying to get Wi-Fi in the hotel that we were staying in in Portugal last year, trying to buy a I can't I think it was a Jan Tosh or something because I've been looking for one for ages, and the guy on RS had one, and my phone kept dipping in and out of Wi-Fi, and I was getting frustrated, and this was in Portugal whilst we are trying to spend a nice holiday in the sun. But yeah, no, I have. I've got a complete set. The only thing is my CISO from has got a repro cloak, which I'm finding it almost impossible to find spare, so um, that looks like it's going to have to be a total rebuy. And I've got a licks, but it's a reproduction, unfortunately. It's the only way I can afford to get one in, in the collection as a to complete the droid set. It took, me, um, it took me five or six months to fully complete and get correct weapons and stuff, but I got there in the end, and, and uh, so now I've, I've still got a couple of the coins to get, so I'm on the lookout for them still. got a couple of questions on your droids, Chris. Going on to Vlicks, can you not get round Vlicks by saying, really, it was an unproduced figure that sneaked out, so it's perhaps a, a pre-production item as opposed to one that you should be collecting? I, I, I seem to remember that you had some problem about a year ago with a, a weapon that you bought for one of your figures. Was it the... Oh, which one was it again? Was it the Jantosh weapon? Uh, you had the problem with customs? Yeah, I bought... Oh, who was it? Uh, Brownie was selling off his collection, and uh, he was selling a few of the droids figures, and um, I think I grabbed Kezia Band... 
and Jan Toshoff received it, put, you know, really happy with it, put a picture on the forum, and I think it was Walkie. Seems to know a lot about the droids and, and, and uh, Ewok figures. Um, basically said that it was the wrong colour blaster. I was like, oh, okay. So I got uh, to Brownie, and um, he basically was apologetic, um, didn't realise, basically, that's how he bought it. I think he gave me a partial refund, and then I managed to eventually find a black one in the US. Again, I think it was on RS. And it wasn't cheap. But, yeah, it didn't help that Customs clobbered me for another 11 quid. So that has put that figure at about 80 quid now, unfortunately. Ouch, it's, it's uh, a shame when that happens, isn't it? Do you think it's easier collecting these figures carded than loose? I think it's, there seems to be an oddity where it's the other way around for these figures. Yeah, there does seem to be more carded than loose, definitely. Um, you, if you do a search on eBay, you quite happily find five or six carded King Gornishes, but one if you're lucky of a loose one either that or they've been AFA graded and they're just astronomically stupid prices yeah it's very strange how they are the other way around than, than the normal run of figures where yeah they are more carded than loose and I noticed you with all um, I know you've just said about the coins you're a couple short with the um, droids and the Ewoks are you going down the coin route with your general loose collection no I'm not it, just with the two rangers yeah I've I, I, you know I, I've thought about this a few times, and I, I sort of thought, why, why have I collected the coins with those figures? Um, and a lot, a couple of people have said to me, you know, it's a fantastic idea, it looks great. I think it's because those figures were only sold on a card with the coin. So there's a part of me that's saying that without the coin, it's not a complete figure. I don't know if that sounds weird. Whereas obviously a lot of the the usual run, they came on a New Hope card, ESB. Return of the Jedi, they didn't have coins apart from some of the Power of the Force run. I think that's why I'm getting the coins with them. Um, uh, and I think they, they look nice displayed with the figure and the coin next to them on the little easel. So Yeah, they look good in your um, in your limelight, I must admit. If I had to push you, yeah. droids or Ewoks? Droids. And uh, your favourite figure from each line? For some reason, Tig from from droids. I don't know why, because he's skinny and bald and, you know, not very attractive. But I, I don't know, it's just something about that figure that I like. Ewoks, it's got to be, uh, Logray's quite a good one, I quite like Logray, because he's totally different from the Logray in the in the usual run, so, you know, he's bright blue with a funny hound, so he's quite a, quite an eye-catcher. Your loose loose collection of uh, the normal run of Star Wars figures, yeah. how's that progressing? Yeah, yeah, getting there, slowly. Uh, when I was younger, I had a complete loose set, including Blue Snapple Tooth and, and, and the whole lot. And it was one of the things that, one of the many times I've sold up, got cold and, and, and sent off to various people around the world. I then decided to only set mocks, but recently the, the loose has crept back in and it's nice just to hold the figure and, you know, be able to have a little play with it, although you want to keep them as mint as possible. I'm probably, I would say, about halfway through getting a complete run again. Maybe, maybe slightly more than halfway through. Not long ago, I picked up a R5-D4 from Richard, I think, possibly. I picked up a couple of bits off Rich, I think. And um, Andy Black on the forum seems to be my loose figure seller at the moment. I've bought quite a few of him. Yeah, um, Chris, um, I don't know if you've noticed, but um, a collector in America called Bob Fisher made a display frame for the Droid and Ewoks coin. Have you seen it and would you like one? Uh, yeah, I have seen it. It's pretty snazzy. I quite like it. It displays them well. Um, I like the, the way he's put the Ewoks and Droids at the top very eye-catching it's just any way to display any of your any of your items is, is good in my opinion whether it's custom or something that's like you know mass produced just getting everything getting stuff on display is good yeah no i do like that okay so if anybody listened to this um spots one of these for sale if you can let um 
Chris Mann, who goes by Jedi Masters in the forum, and no, I'm sure I'd appreciate it. But to be honest with you, Rich, the way you just asked the question, do you want one, it sounded like you were offering. Uh, I'll tell you the truth, I don't know, I've never seen one before, so I don't know how much these cost. I mean, I'd expect them to be about the 10, 15 quid more, but you never know. Let's move on to your Yoda focus then. Okay. So, obviously the first first question has got to be, why Yoda? Um, good question. I don't know, I, I, maybe it's because he's green, he's got big ears, I don't, I don't know. He's a good, for me, he's a good character to collect because he's, he's got a lot of stuff that he's in, not just necessarily him as a specific character, you know, I'm as mad that I collect even if he's the tiniest picture in a background on a box, you know, I've got a Yoda on it, I'll have it. You know, it, it never, it's a character that you could, you could just keep looking for stuff and you'll always find stuff. Your actual focus on him, it's a very um, eclectic mix of different things, isn't it? It's it's vintage, it's modern, uh, it's cardigan, yeah. it's loose figures, it's oddball items. Going through, uh, I've picked out a couple of items that I'd like to uh, discuss with you from your uh, from your collection. And uh, yeah. first of all, that is your uh, your three pack of what looks like bootlegs. Oh yeah, yes, yeah. Could you tell us a bit about them? I don't know if I was just doing a general. I think I was doing a general search on eBay um, just for just typing in Yoda and seeing what comes up. And um, these three packs came up, and the, this guy from he's actually from he's in Mexico. He had quite a few of them. I think the first time I. I saw him, um, he had about seven, all various different packs, some had Yoda in, um, a couple had B-Wing pilots in, which I let Tim know about, because I knew he had a B-Wing focus, and yeah, I don't really know much about them, to be honest with you, but I'm guessing they were just a, a bootleg pack produced in Mexico, just to get the figures out there. When I got that one, I was also bidding on one with um, a bright pink Luke Skywalker in it as well, but um, unfortunately I got out on that one uh, which I was absolutely gutted about occasionally he, he does every now and then more pop up from him so he's, he seems to get a lot of Mexican bootleg stuff and he must be a dealer over there um, but he must have some good contacts because he, he does he does get a lot of bootleg stuff in all the time so I do I do pop in and out every now and then see if he's got any more in the same picture as the three pack one that, that little bootleg thing loose is that also Mexican? that is yeah that that was uh, I can't remember who I bought it was a guy on the forum but that is how the figure was sold in Mexico. Basically, the, the snake and the stick were were all connected together. Um, you do find them occasionally with, with those bits gone, but um, yeah, it's, it's, it seems to be how they were, were made, and, and they didn't bother sort of cutting them up. They just left them as they were. Crazy-looking things, aren't they? Yeah, very weird. I, um, I keep trying to get the... Hung, they call it a Hungarian pig nose Yoda, but he goes for stupid money. Um, so, unfortunately, I haven't been able to add him to the collection yet. I'll keep an eye out for when you do. Are these um these bootlegs? I take it they're quite rare these days, especially when they come in like three packs. Yeah, so the, the guy that I got that off, he he hasn't had any more Yoda ones since, but he, he's had a various three combination packs. But it, it's a weird one because the 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 one on his own, it doesn't come up that often. But when he does, he still doesn't. He's not that expensive to pick up. You could probably pick him up between sort of thirty and fifty quid, which compared to some bootlegs is is not a lot of money. Well, moving on with, with the collection, got many vintage items and many modern items. If I had to push you, your favourite modern, your favourite vintage piece you've got? Oh, my favourite modern, I would have to say, is the, I would assume you would class it as modern, is the Yoda inscribed on the Cubal. Oh, yes, um, yeah, earlier. Yeah, my mum surprised me with that for a birthday. Um, and, and, yeah, I've never seen one since. Um, we can't even find the guy on eBay that was doing them to see if he's got any more or any other characters so I do like and it's quite close to my heart 
Uh, Favourite vintage? I quite like the eight ball and the hand puppet, um, but I have to say my favourite vintage bit is the slipper socks. <laughs> I was going to ask you about them later. Yeah, they were, they were yeah, crazy, aren't they? I like them. It, it did seem back in the day that you could put Star Wars on anything and, and it would sell. Yeah, Chris, I'm just going to tell you a little story um, and it's all to do with my brown snake Yoda. And I, I don't know if you can remember this, but I think last year we had a date in London, didn't we? Yes, we did. I didn't know really what you looked like. You didn't really know what <laughs> I looked like. We had uh, mobile numbers only. And I think I remember standing outside a hotel thinking, and we'd be late by about half an hour or so. Uh, yeah, I was a little bit late, yes. Yeah, so I thought I'd been stood up on the first date. <laughs> and, I, <laughs> and I remember you said it's a text to say that you were waving a red flower or something in your lapel. So we had a good chat last uh, that night, and we met up with um, Matt McCartney. Yeah, Monkey Roo. Monkey yep, who we had on, I think it was episode three, when we talked about his book. Yep. And I was talking to that night about Yoda, and um, Dublin Jeff was selling a brown snake Yoda on Stores Forum UK, and we, we both knew about it, and I think I was humming and hawing about buying it, and I think you were humming and hawing about buying it as well. So yeah. the next day... I went online and I bought it straight away. I thought, no, I, I can't have it going. Oh. Um, so, so, so thanks for that. Because I don't think I would have actually bought one. So I, I'm, I'm pleased I've actually got that. I, was, I think I was terrified that you were going to get it for me. It's hard in the collecting world. It's like with eBay. If you know that there's, especially when you communicate on the forum with your, you know, with your forum buddies and stuff, you, there's potentially more than one of you wanting the same item and it, it's a hard line between do you just go for it and, and you know and you don't care about your friends and stuff it's, a, it's my collection or do you know do you just say right now you know what hopefully another one will come up you you take it this time and I'll, I'll wait it, it's a hard line but um, no I, I think I can't actually remember whether you beat me to it or whether I, I wasn't overly bothered at that point and, and I think you, you just got it anyway but um, yeah no that was a good night I enjoyed that meet up it was it was, it was you saying about like not knowing what each other looked like, we said to you that night, it was weird how I went to all past, but I think I glanced across and we kind of just sort of realised that, okay, hang on, is, is that you yet? Yeah. And then we just sort of started chatting, so, you know, it was stylishly late, but, you know, we had a good night. Yeah, it was a, it was a great night. So did you actually, have you actually got your bones near your done out to finish off your Lucy orders? I have. I think in the limelight, there is a picture of the three. I know one of them is... You know the the green snake Yoda is is you know it's one of those variants, is it isn't it? But um, yeah, I have a brown, green, and orange snake now. Actually, I have two orange snakes. Can I just say, from a um a bystander's point of view, then that last story, we meet outside a hotel, <laughs> go for a meal, and uh, I looked at you, and you looked at me, and we just knew. <laughs> it's a it's a, a cracking story, you two. Uh, I felt like I needed to hang up at one point. Um, regarding the vintage Yodas the carded Yodas they had two uh, two different pictures on the card backs which one did you prefer I prefer the one on the ESB card to be honest with you I don't know if it's because it's brighter um, maybe it's his better side but yeah no that's the one that's the one I do prefer yeah Yeah, it's another one of those difficult things to explain why you like it it's just you look at them and that's the one you like so and from your from your run I don't, not naming how much, but what's been the biggest purchase out of all your um, Yoda run? The Yoda run, um, the Yoda, the most expensive bit would be the Power of the Force Yoda on card, although that still was reasonably cheap because of its battered condition. I think that was under 200, but at some point I would like to upgrade that. 
but yeah, no, most most of it's been reasonably priced. I can't say I've spent out huge amounts on anything on the Yoda run. In the um, in the modern run, some figures these days are moulded very well. I know you said earlier that yeah, I think sometimes they go too far. From your, you've got you've got quite a few different types of carded modern Yodas. Which one do you think's the best mould? I'm trying to find the picture. Actually, I'm just looking at my line right now. I quite like the the one they did when the uh, cartoon came out. Is that the, the Clone Wars one on the Cartoon yeah, Network? That's it, the one that's got as seen on Cartoon Network Corner. Quite a detailed mould. The Trilogy Collection one's quite a good mould as well. But the then you get ones like the uh, the other Clone Wars ones where it looks like his eyes are going to bulge out of his head. It just looks ridiculous. It looks crazy. But, um, you yeah, know, I quite like, the, I quite like the, uh, the other Cartoon Network one, the other Clone Wars one. I'll tell you what I love about this collection is the... Is the oddball range you've got? You've got everything: Pez dispensers, like I said, the slipper socks, that uh, cue ball, figurines, wallets, bubble bath. I think it's bubble bath in there anyway. The soap. What, what's your favourite oddball item? Yeah, actually, I, I should imagine it's going to be the slipper socks, as it was your favourite vintage piece, is it? Yeah, I quite like the slipper socks. Um, I also quite like the wallet. Oh, <laughs> I keep looking at it, and and it's got the bubble is is cracked and and coming off the card, and I keep sort of like, should I take it out and use it? And then I'm like, no. Can't do that. Leave it in the leave it in the packaging. No, I do I do like the slipper socks. Speaking of oddball items, um, did you hear what some toad did to me last month? You did, it was it was shocking. Did you, did you not see that Yoda Sigma mug? No, to be honest with you, I, I haven't searched on eBay for for a while. I think I bought Ben Kenobi Power of the Force last month, and I haven't been on eBay much since really. But um, yeah, yeah. I was listening to the podcast about an hour before coming on here and I did hear what happened to her. yeah not very nice no. do, you, do you think that's a good price or £8.50 for a boxed Yoda mug for a boxed one I yeah mean, that's a very good price I thought when he, when he said 8 I thought that was loose yeah I, I think yeah it's, it's, it's weird like I think Brian has said before the Sigma stuff the, the prices vary so much and they can go up and down almost daily it's, it's crazy you know you You'll sell. You've seen that one go for eight fifty. You'll have one next week that'll go for thirty quid. It's so random. You, you can't predict it. There's some lovely um, Yoda Sigma items generally. You want to get involved in that line because Yoda seemed to be one of their favourite characters. Yeah, yeah. I haven't. I, I haven't ventured that way yet. I, I will do at some point. Um, yeah. The, I, like I was saying earlier on. The, there's always stuff to buy from Yoda, but it's always whether you've already got it. Because I, I do see a lot of Yoda stuff, and I think oh, I've already got it. But yeah, no, I expect at some point I will go down the uh, the Sigma line. The salt and pepper pots in particular, I think, are pretty yeah. easy to pick up, and, and they do look great. Yeah, yeah, no, they will be they will be on the list at some point, and for, may even get two pairs to try and uh, to have one in the collection, one to use on the table. The little white white Yoda looks looks like a pre-production type of item. It is, yeah. It is. It's a modern pre-production. Do you know what? I'm going to sound like a real novice Yoda focus collector, but off the top of my head, I can't remember which line comes from. Um, I think it was the little... Oh, off the top of my head, I can't remember what it's called now. There's so many different modern lines available. He looks like a bit shaped, a bit like the old Galactic Hero line. That's the one. It is, yes. That's, it was there on the tip of my tongue. It is the modern, yeah, pre-production Galactic Hero one. Um, I got both of those from the same seller, actually. A guy in, I think it was Japan, that was the, all he sold was pre-production stuff. And he also had a brown pre-production mould for the Christmas Yoda with his uh, Christmas hat on. Oh, yeah. It was one of the special sets. And um, I was bidding on all three and... I got stumped on that one because I think 
one of the kids was calling me at the time it was ending and, and stupidly I walked away from the computer and I come back and I'd missed it. Uh, and I was actually gutted because that was the one that I really wanted. They're not everyone's cup of tea. That wasn't you sniping him as well, was it, Stu? <laughs> no, no, not that time. <laughs> yeah, but I know I've been. Have you got any proof cards? Have you thought about getting any of the proof cards? Yeah, I do, I do want a proof card. Um, and I know when Brem had them up for sale recently, I was... Um, very tempted well, I think with the proof card it's just going to come in down to having the funds ready at the right time uh, a purchase like that I, I can't just splash out I, you know, I've got to make sure I've got the money there so again that is another thing that is on the tick list to, to get in the collection but yeah, no, I was, uh, when that came up, when Brown was selling, selling them on, I was, I was, I was itching at the computer every night, just keep looking at it, but, and then I think I came on one night and it had gone, which was a bit of a relief, really. Gonna move it on now then to a final thing that I, I said I wanted to talk about, and that was your carded figure collection. Now, I was told that you were strictly a Power of the Force carded figure collector, until you lost your way and bought a Luke Stormy Trilogo, is this correct? Um, possibly a little bit. I wouldn't have said strictly Power the Force, but I know when I initially started collecting, well, I've collected mocks three to, uh, I think this is my third time at collecting. I've, I've sold off two smaller collections than, than what I've got now, um, just when money was needed. And when I came back into it this time, I, I, I did like, I was trying to go for Power the Force line, um, I just like the card backs, really, and then, you know, just look like the look of the figures. At the very first, I think it was the first farthest from, a certain Star Wars dealer pulled out this big box of mocks um, when we were staying at Jez's house and uh, out popped this Tri-Logo Luke Stormy that Grant basically said to me, buy it because you'll never see it at that price again. So I did. It seems to make a lot of people um, buy carded figures. You're not the first person I've spoken to. Considering it's only podcast number six, yeah, it's for someone to buy something. He does have that influence, um, you know. He, he, he's a he's a bugger at making you quite easy to spend your money. He's uh, <laughs> yeah, he's a he's a tyrant with that. Chris had a different father's form. You bought absolute beauty of the power of the force, Nikto. Have you still got that? And can you tell our listeners a little bit about that card? I have, yeah, I have still got it. It's been on my mind lately to to sell it on, just basically money wise. But but every time I think about it, I, I can't do it. It's um it's the it's the crown in my collection at the moment. Um, I absolutely love it. Um, that came from uh, Weasel on the forum. He's he's had his collection up for sale from I think 2011 and I think he'll tell you he seemed to stagnate for a little while he, he, he didn't really shift a lot and then all of a sudden probably early to mid last year I, I don't know what happened but his stuff just started to move again I happened to come into some inheritance back end of last year it was one of the it was a, a thing that I decided I wasn't spending the inheritance before it came in um, I'm not that fickle but I'd, I'd always said that if I ever did get any money from family, I would invest some of it in something that, you know, will will hold its money and, you know, it'll be something that I'll enjoy. And um, luckily, that that was still there when it, when the inheritance came in and I, I, I approached him to buy it. Um, and I, I think I beat another guy by two days who also inquired about it. I'd already nabbed it. So, But that, that was going back to the conversation about sending mocks through the post. That was a nervous wait because that was coming over from Ireland. So that was a real nervous wait. Great answer that, Chris, because really what you've done there is you've, you've tied your cash up into an investment, but rather yeah. than just, just sitting there 
um, doing that nothing or perhaps have been you know whittled away because we've talked about this in the past as well where if you sell your collection you get a lump of, of money it, it's very easy for it to whittle away and then you've got nothing to show for it but you've got that beauty of a card now that, you, that you're going to enjoy and the money's always there you know if, if things do become you know um, difficult and you, and you do need to sell you're going to get your cash back Hopefully, plus some. If I ever need money, I can just hopefully shift on a few Star Wars figures, and I'll have the money there. So I can't, I can't say that I'll have that that figure forever. Like I said, I have toyed with set with passing it on recently. I've only had it since November last year, so I haven't even had it a year yet. But you know, I'm sort of holding off at the moment. I, I, I say I do, I do love it. It's the best figure by far in my collection um, at the moment. I'm quite proud to have it. So your mock collection. Could you kind of take us through where it's at, what kind of things are in it? Yeah, mocks, obviously. Sorry, sarcastic answer. <laughs> Majority of my mocks at the moment are Return of the Jedi. Um, I decided after initially going for Power of the Force, Return of the Jedi were a cheaper option. You know, you could, not nowadays, they seem to be creeping up, but when I first started getting them, they, you could get a, a a return of Jello Mog easily for between 20 and 30 quid and in sort of you know in, in good condition as well um, but since then as well as still trying to keep the return of the Jello run going I, it's a case of what takes your eye like this for like say the, the Luke Stormy on Tri logo that, that caught my eye and well and pressured into buying it and then every now you know I'm sort of trickling on with the Power of the Force run as well so I bought Ben, ben Kenobi recently but yeah, it's just it's just a bit of everything. I mean, I've got I've, I've only got one a New Hope card or a Star Wars card, uh, which is a Chewie. A couple of years, but I think I've, I've, I need to take some new pictures. Actually, I haven't updated the pictures recently on the forum. The ones on the forum are over a year old, and I would say my collection is double, maybe triple that. Do you actively um, seek a figure, or do you just look generally when you're buying your mocks? Um, a bit of both. I, I I've tried it just looking out for whatever catches my eye but then I've also with a couple of the figures I've sort of focused on that figure um, to try and get all the cards on that figure um, and get that figure completed uh, well, well I've done that with the Nikto I've got Nikto on every card back it came on so I think it, it depends on how funds are I think a lot of it um, if funds are a, a bit tight that month then you sort of maybe stick to a, a specific card or if, if Funds are a bit are a bit freer that month. Then you just look at what's on the market. It's, um, it's, each month is different. I just can't get that into my head. You've got every you've got Nick Dawn every card back available. You just yeah. you just said it as if it was just a matter of fact. That is a tremendous achievement. I know. Yeah, and, it, and it, out of all the, it's probably the only one with regards to certain power of the force rarities that I, I will you know I will ever do I can't see me ever well I say I can't see me ever getting the other expensive power of the force mocks but then again you know a few sentences ago I said I'd, I'd never saw myself having a power of the force Nikto so anything's possible well it's a, it's a cracking collection in fact all your, all your limelights mate they're, they're lovely to look through thank you we'll give them all a, um, a bump up the thread so people can look at exactly what we're talking about because they are are incredible. What if I could hand you one mock right this second? What would you choose? Any anything you want? Oh, God, that's hard. It uh, it would be, and and again, Grant was kind of trying to. Um, Grant Grant features a lot in in my sales. I have to say, it was uh, it's a Yoda mock. Uh, you guys have probably seen it, Richard. You might have seen it on eBay. The Mexican one. I can't pronounce it. I initially started at two and a half grand, and then dropped to about nineteen hundred. I think. I can't pronounce the Mexican or Spanish that's on it. 
to be honest with you, so I'm not even going to try. But if you guys know what I'm talking about, I'm not sure you do, he'll be that one. Yeah, I've, I've seen that Mexican one. Um, somebody was talking about that not too long ago, actually. Um, as you said, it has just seemed to have disappeared, hasn't it? Yeah, I had it in my uh, watch list for ages, and Grant was basically saying to me, sell the Nikto and then reinvest the money in that Yoda, which, which was, you know, was a tempting idea, because it would be a fantastic piece to go in my limelight. Um, but like you say, it dropped in price three or four times, so I'm guessing it's sold. Well, Chris, um, we're near on having to wrap this up, because obviously the time we love uh, love chatting to our, our collectors, yeah. but... Um, Coming down to Farthest From at Christmas. I am, yes. I've missed the last two, I think. So I think Jez, possibly Grant, were both on the phone to me the day after the previous one and said that my name's already booked in a room, which which was nice of them to do that. Um, and I was straight straight over to the missus saying, oh, I need this weekend off in December. Can I have please, 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 please? And um, she said, yeah, fine. So, yep, I'll be at the next one. Two days as well, so it's uh, even more. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be a hard one for me because... Being a postie, uh, Christmas is impossible to get Saturdays off. Um, they're hard to get off anyway, but Saturdays and Christmas in December are, are say, impossible. So, depending on when when he says two days, depending on what time Saturday starts, uh, you know, I think, I'll get I think it was the evening, so it's... Oh, uh, okay. So, yeah, I should... I'm sure yeah. Grant will come and give you a hand doing your, um, doing your round and get it done in double-quick time. Oh, that'd be good. Yeah, yeah we'll ship him down from, <laughs> from the, the Valleys of Wales. That'd be nice. Yeah, I was going to mention um, cons before you disappeared, Chris, because you're one of the, the guys of the community who really goes out of his way to join in with all of the community aspect of it. Um, you've been to many Father's Farms, and um, I'm not sure if you've been to other conventions as well, but I think you said you went to... Did you go to Celebration Europe, the first one in London? Yeah, my my, uh, my wife surprised me with tickets for that back in 2007, yeah. so yeah. Yeah, and, it, and it's, it's a shame that you've had um, some bad news recently, which has meant that you... Your community um, side of it's probably um, dipped off a little bit, understandably. But uh, yeah. we're all really, we're all really looking forward to seeing your father's farm. Your spirit's been there with all of them, even if you haven't been there. We've all thought about you, um, and you've come up in virtually every conversation. You're gonna make me cry. <laughs> so it, it's nice. To see, it'll be nice to see you and, ca- and catch up again. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm looking forward to it. Um, I was up in the last one I went to was the one up near Ian's where. Uh, up, it was a uh, quite a small one. I think Jez and I went up. We met Jacobina there. That was that was that was quite a good one. It was very small. We were only there a couple of hours, but yeah, no, no. I'm definitely looking forward to uh, farthest from. Can't wait to get back there. Looking forward to meeting you and having a beer, pal. Yeah, definitely. Well, yeah, one or two. <laughs> yeah, that's all though. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> um, and finally, Chris, I, I always ask this question to end my interviews, and um, basically, if we're all packing up, moving to another planet, and you're told that there's only room for one piece out of your collection, what are you taking? It would have to be the Power of the Force Nikto. I'd have to, I'd have to bin all my odor off. He, he can get burned. You know, it'd have to be that one piece. Yeah, I, I do love that piece. Right, Chris, that is wonderful. Thank you ever so much for your time. Um, I've really enjoyed it, didn't we, Rich? Brilliant. Awesome interview. Yeah, and uh, hopefully we'll get you back on later on in the podcast for the rapid fire. That'd be good. I wish to register a complaint. Hello, miss. What do you mean, miss?
Oh, sorry, I have a cold. I wish to register a complaint. Sorry, uh, we're closing for lunch. Never mind that, my good man. I wish to complain about this snaggletooth, what I purchased not half an hour ago from this very boutique. Oh, yes, the, uh, the blue snaggletooth. What's uh, wrong with it? I'll tell you what's wrong with it, my lad. He's red. That's what's wrong with it. No, he's, um, he's just a bit more mauve than usual. Look, matey, I know a red snaggletooth when I see one. And I'm looking at one right now. No, he's not red. It's, uh, it's, it's the light, you know. Probably produced in one of those Norwegian factories. They all like to use a different type of plastic. The factory doesn't enter into it. It's bleeding red. No, 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 no. He's uh, probably gone off colour in the sun. Now, look here, mate. I've definitely had enough of this. That snaggletooth is definitely the red one. Look, look at this picture in my book. You've sold me the cheaper one. I want a blue snaggletooth. This one is much shorter than the blue one. Uh, shrinkage. These figures shrink over time. Plastic, in it. Contracts back into its original form, like a little old lady. Now look here, my good man. He's not shrunk. Time hasn't been cruel to his little plastic body. He has no skeleton, no flesh, no blood, no joints, no knees. It's a bleeding piece of plastic. When did you ever hear of an action figure getting shorter because his vertebrae are pressing closer together? He's made of plastic, my good man. Have you ever heard of a snaggletooth with osteoporosis? I want a blue snaggletooth, and I want it now. Uh, what about a couple of clartoos? <laughs> Don't be a mug. Get yourself over to www.starwarsforum.co.uk and engage with people not trying to sell you dead parrots. <laughs> Okay, welcome to this month's event section. Um, any of you guys been to any events, Rich? Yeah, Grant, I went to Ecobase 1, which was the very first of the Ecobase uh, cons that uh, Mark Walsh, Richard McLean, and one or two others, uh, I think Richard Temple's involved in them as well. Um, and they're looking to make these much more regular, which is great news. So they set up a Facebook page probably about two months ago, and they dropped interest in the forum to say that they're going to host this Ecobase 1 event. I'm, I'm seeing it as a northern version of FF at the moment, um, but I think they had plans for it to be perhaps a little bit bigger in the future, which is which is great, and I really hope it does take off. I thought, with it being the north, I've got to show me support and hopefully build it up to some kind of bigger event in the future. So it was, it was hosted in Manchester, and not the easiest place to get to. Um, it was right in the middle of Manchester. Manchester's probably the worst city that I've ever driven in in my life. I think I went through about four red lights. I, I certainly drove up three bus lanes. Probably went round a couple of uh, one-way streets in the wrong direction. And I know at one point I made over 20 left turns, which meant that I was just doing squares. 
and I just couldn't actually find the place that was slap bang in the middle. So once I got to the Thistle Hotel, um, I met Mark Wall straight away, and he was busy putting up some of his displays outside, which were great, and I put some photographs up on Facebook. And once we went down into the main hall where it was, it was just fantastic. It was just vintage Star Wars right across the back shelf um, and some other sellers there, which was really good. So you had uh, Mark and Rich and the other Rich. They had quite a lot of vintage Star Wars for sale. Just arrival FF, you know, it was like seeing Ian Sanderson stall all out there. And I believe a lot of this came from Ian um, and his blowout tale before you went to America. So it was great to see a lot of those things. Steve from UK Graders was there and he was talking about the services that he offers and his colour cases, etc, etc. There was the guy who makes the Kenny Baker action figures. So he had a, he had a little stall with about a dozen, maybe a few more of the Kenny Baker action figures mint on card. You had uh, a woman there who was selling comics. She had comics and trade paperbacks. And you had one or two guys like me who just basically had a box of stuff that they've had lying around for such a long time. Nobody's showing any interest in buying them. So I took them along in the hope I'd be able to trade some items with one or two other guys, which I did manage to do. I traded some of my weapons for some card figures and I swapped it straight over for Chewbacca, which made no difference to me. There was one little lad, must have been about eight year old, and he's, he's somebody we've got to watch for because he managed to beat me down to get three loose figures for a quid when I refused to sell him one for one pound at the start. But he, he was very persistent, and he was over the moon once he got these three figures for quick. You'd have to see this kid in action. He, he, he was amazing. It wasn't um, Bram, was it? It wasn't Bram, no. Oh, okay, <laughs> moving on. And, so you're um, admitting here, Richard, that you were basically outwitted by a child. <laughs> not not outwitted as such. I think the kindness of uh, you know my generosity and the community spirit t- took over what? from us. Ah, teacher... Yeah, what, what I was going to say, what, what is it you do for a living? Um, make jokes about you. Yeah. No, 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 you, you don't get paid very much for doing that, trust me. All right, um, y- y- yeah, I work with kids, so it's my kind of nature, you know, where I, I can't have a kid to, I mean, I genuinely thought he was going to be upset if I didn't sell him these figures, so I did sell them. As soon as I sold them, he was dancing around the room, yeah, and I thought, you just played me, haven't you? But never mind, moving on. So it was great to meet up, meet up with Mark and, and the two Riches. I had a great chat with them. Uh, it took us a long time to realise that one of the Riches was actually DJ Big here. And I should have spotted that straight away because he had those bloody magnets for sale. <laughs> <laughs> but I just didn't put two and two together. And I knew everyone was calling him Rich, but I didn't realise it was that Rich, which was interesting. So a lot of mint on card items were there. There were a lot of coins. I don't You don't see many coins dotted around, but there were... Um, Mark was selling a lot of coins. Is that is that uh, because the guy called Coin Nut was? Uh, it could be because and and actually and I think he's called Proof Nut. Is he on Rebel Scum? And he had a lot of proof proof items to sell as well. So bit of a theme there. But there, there was a lot of box items, um, both modern and vintage. And there was a lot of boxes that were just you know incomplete chips and incomplete play sets. And that was great for guys to rummage around and to perhaps fill some of the connect, uh, collections that they've got outstanding. So so it was really good. Um, it wasn't very well attended, which is very, very unfortunate, because I think they had the capacity for around about 100 guests, and there wasn't anywhere near that. And, and the guys had spent a lot of money, and they put a lot of effort into it, and, and there was catering for 80. And, and I think I ate you know, enough for three people. And, it, and if Pete and Stu had been there, then fair enough, everything may have been eaten. But it was it was such a shame to see that there was a vast amount of food that got wasted. But it was nice for Mark to see that he would he would give them to some um, homeless charity in the nearby area 
And I, and I think the staff at the hotel also got some of that, which which was fantastic. What did Richard and Mark think? R- Richard and Mark, obviously, you know, I think they were disappointed, but they should be proud of the effort that they put into it. I took a load of photographs, I put them all on Facebook, and I've put a load of photographs on the forum, and both Richard and Mark are teaming together with Neil Livesey, Livesey, however pronounced name, I always get it wrong. Uh, he's the guy who runs the Burnley um, Family Fund days. And I think at some point in the future, possibly 2016, they are going to team up with him. So when you go to Burnley, there'll be a special vintage area. So you'll have to pay entry to get into Burnley and pay an extra entry to get into the the vintage bit, which is great because you get the footfall at Burnley. There was probably a 1,000 people at Burnley, possibly even more. So it would be great if even just 10% of those were interested in vintage, then they could come along to the vintage bit as an extra. I mean, you wouldn't get the young kids in that, but there were plenty of people there who weren't young kids. So they, they will make the money back from that. I think they, they were disappointed. They, they just didn't get the volume of people that they wanted, which is such a shame. Is there an Echo Base 2 that's yep. planned? There is an Echo Base 2 that's planned. Um, it looks as though it's going to be in the Leeds area, uh, which again is up, is up in the north. Uh, that's probably going to be the first week in April, but dates are very sketchy at the moment. I think it would be a great idea to get either Mark or Rich on the show, and then he can um, have a chat about his po- uh, about the Echo Base 2 and you know what the hopes for it are. So we'll try and pencil them in for some time in perhaps February. That might be a great idea to keep it fresh. It's nice that there's a, another vintage uh, Star Wars event, though. That's too exactly. Yeah, that's really exactly. cool, huh? Yeah, because Father's from such a long drive for me, and it would be great if... if we could get this northern one going, you know, twice a year would be fantastic, or or more if it, if if it could happen. But they should be rightly proud of what they've done. You know, getting that many vintage items in one place. Uh, just a shame that there wasn't more buyers from the new money. And at the end of the the con, they had a raffle, and I think there may have been ten of us in the raffle, and we all had a set of tickets, so we got five tickets each, and there were eight items for sale. Uh, sorry for raffle. Uh, four of them were UKG graded uh, loose figures. There were some art pieces. There was a lifetime membership that go base, which would which includes free entry to every raffle from then on, which was a great prize. There was a mock. I think it was one of the Ewoks that was um, graded Y eighty five, and that was the star prize. Uh, and there were a couple of other. I think Steve put in some acrylic cases, etc., etc. So with odds of I don't know, did I see eleven of us in eight prizes? And I still won absolutely nothing, which just sums up my luck with raffles. I just don't do too well on them at all. It, it was a really, really good event. For me, it was good that it was low-key because I could talk to Mark and I could talk to Rich a lot more. I wouldn't be able to do that if it was a hustle and bustle. So, well done, guys. I look forward to the next one. Brilliant. Okay. Hopefully we'll see another one and maybe we can make the trip up there. We do have an event this, this month, guys, that we're all going to attend except for Ben because he's on baby duty. Um, and that is Fax 2014. We were invited by Tim Vicoven, who was our guest on the show last month. Guys, Ghent, Belgium, uh, Fax 2014. What are we thinking about it, Stu? Yeah, excited. Yeah, I don't. Um, obviously, looking through the event, it's not based on Star Wars. It, it seems like there's a lot of artists there and whatnot. But um, yeah, it looks a really good event. It looks like a big event, and uh, be good to uh, have some podcast team time. Family, to family day out. Yeah, yeah, be good. Pete, Princess Leia's there. You looking forward to it, bro? Yeah, I don't know what to do, really. Uh, don't touch her. I? Just don't touch uh, well, it. Well, that's what I mean. I mean, what, I, 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 might, I might have to. I might have to, like, try and get a hug. Don't ruin episode seven. 
Are you are you allowed to hug her? Uh, best not, eh? Why not? Just in case you fell on her. I mean, that would be terrible, wouldn't it? <laughs> That'd be awesome. She might sort of join in. <laughs> well, she'd fall on you. Yeah. What is this? Is it like she, the weebles or something? You're just going to be falling she, on each other. Sal, yeah, she, she, she's mad. There's, there's no like, rules to gravity because we're in Belgium. What are you talking about? <laughs> After like 50 Belgian beers, gravity just disappears. Ah, right, okay, well, that's good. Look forward to that. Rich, you, uh, any, any, any clipper stuff? Because Belgium, land of the clipper, mmm, any clipper stuff over there for you, Rich? Um, I don't think there are any clip variants, are there? It's, it's, I thought clip were just card backs. I have no idea. Yeah, I'm pretty sure there's no clip variants. I mean, part of the reason why I went to Echo Base was for the community, and that's what it's about for me. It's, it's getting in the car with you three idiots, getting off over to Belgium. And really? then meeting um, Tim Beethoven, a couple of the Belgian guys over there who who are starting to listen to the podcast, which is great. And Dennis. Um, we met Dennis in CE2 for those who were over there, and he's, he's such a nice guy. And it's not an opportunity that we get very often, so um, it's it's great to meet another regular uh, collector from the forum. So we're really looking forward to it. And we're, we're, we're going to get our own uh, road trip story, which will be really good. Stu, is there any, uh, any pieces that you're hoping to find at any foreign Belgian... Uh, bits of collectible? Um, yeah, no, not, not really going there to look for anything. If there's something there, you know, we'll see. But um, going out there, not with that intention. But if there's something there, it's a nice little bonus, isn't it? Maybe they'll have some uh, Belgian Return of the Jedi centered erasers for you, mate. Maybe. Add to the collection. <laughs> Pete, what about you, buddy? Anything out there that you're looking for? Yeah, I want to try and find... <laughs> yeah, Princess Leia in a bikini. No, um, would be nice. Um, but I, I really want to try and find some of the some of the Star Wars comic uh, variants. Ooh. I know we, we discussed it a little bit. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's going to be unlikely, but I know we, there were some of those Spanish ones that looked amazing. But that that might might be the only place to get a chance to have a look at that, that sort of stuff. But uh, That's a there's a point. few. Yeah, I mean, there's a few sort of foreign language uh, slave layer carded figures which I might. That might be there. I don't know. It's unlikely. There's, uh, you know, there's always the hope of finding the Canadian Starburst uh, modern figure, which no one will care about. But uh, yeah, um, probably a comic. It would probably be a comic hunt more than anything else. I think. Well, for, for anyone else who's listening, uh, it's Fax 2014. It's on the 18th and 19th in Ghent in Belgium. So uh, we'll be there and hopefully uh, meet up with the rest, some of the rest of the Star Wars forum and. Uh, some of the other guys from the Star Wars community should be a blast. Um, I'm just going to run down some of the events leading up to the end of the year. There's been a few more added since last week. Sorry, last month. We've got London Film and Comic Con at the Olympia on the 18th and 19th. Feel the Force Day at Kingsgate Conference Centre in Peterborough on October the 18th. Chippenham Sci-Fi and Film Fair in Needle Hall in Chippenham October 25th. This is a new one. Bel- uh, Belfast Film and Comic Con in the Odyssey Arena, October 25th to 26th. I'm not sure if that's the first time that's been held in Belfast, but uh, really exciting there. Cardiff Film and Comic Con at the Motorpoint Arena on the 8th and 9th of November. And, and this is another new one which I didn't know was happening. Uh, Collector Mania in Milton Keynes on the 15th and 16th of November, the MK Don Stadium. I really want to go to this. Uh, sorry, is there a p- problem, Pete? Yeah, uh, MK Filth. Just, just have it said there. I'm never going to that stadium ever. So don't go in there. It's I, evil. 
I have no idea what, what you're talking about. It's a football thing. It's evil. How do some kids sing? Boo! <laughs> uh, I really want to go there, though, because they've got um, two guys there I haven't got the autographs for yet. Uh, one of them is the guy who's standing with Darth Vader just after he interrogates Princess Leia at the very beginning of Star Wars. You know the guy? Holding her is dangerous. That guy. Mm. Uh, he's going to be there. And the guy who has the opening words for Return of the Jedi, he's one of these shuttle pilots. He's going to be there. And I haven't got these guys' autographs yet, so I'd really like to go. 15th, 16th, MK Don's Boo Stadium in Milton Keynes. Also coming up, MCM Comic Con, NEC Birmingham, November 22nd to 23rd. Wales Comic Con in Glyndur University. Now, Glyndur was a ancient Welsh Jedi, and he has his own university. November 30th. Christmas Fair with a Twist, the 6th of December, the Eden Centre in Eden Bridge. Has a few Star Wars guests there. Wigan Comic Con, Robin Park Sports Centre on December the 7th. And finally, to round the year off, the big one for all of us, Fathers from Seven, which would be December 13th and 14th. Guys, if you actually think you want us to expand this event section at all and talk about events maybe that are happening in America, maybe happening in the United States, just let us know. That would be really good. And what I'm going to start doing is posting this list up on our Facebook group. So if you go onto our Facebook group, you've got the list there. And, um, you know, any of these, just type just type into Google and you can find it quite easy. Stu, I believe you have a question for us. Is it, we're getting ready for our Fathers From 7 quiz with the Kivecast. Is that true? Have you got a question for us? That's right. Richard has been uh, testing you the last couple of months with a practice, uh, practice questions. But uh, I thought this month I would ask the question so Rich could um, be involved in the... Uh, Ooh, so he, he, so he could get some practice. So I've got a question and there's 17 answers, OK? So I'm going to go left to right across my screen of what I'm looking at. So Pete, Grant, Rich and then Ben. You're going to have just a few seconds to get an answer. Then we'll move on until you're all out and see if we can get all the answers, OK? Now... I've counted 17 answers, but one of them I have got a question mark next to as debatable, so it could be 16. Right, my question. From all of the vintage line of figures, how many didn't come with a weapon? Okay, so Pete, give me the first one. C-3PO. Yep, I've um, put both of the C-3PO figures in one. Yeah, two right. Grant. FX7. Yep. Rich. R2-D2, original. Yeah, I've got all the R2s together, apart from obviously the one with the lightsaber. Um, ben? Anakin Skywalker. Yep. Pete? It, uh, um, Stu's favourite, Imperial Dignitary. Yep. Grant? Orgnaught. Yep. Pete? Um, whoa, 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 Orgnaught. Hang the on, I would question No, it comes with a bag. Point. That is not a weapon, is it? I thought you said I can't. Ah. Uh, these these oh, guys yeah. these guys use handbags oh. as weapons, so... Exactly, handbags are evil. Give, go, go into a, an angry lass oh, in Newcastle on a night and then no, meet out. Rich. Power droid. Yeah, Ben. AV-99. Yep. Uh, Pete. Oh, I don't think that... Oh, my brain hurts. My brain hurts. Um, uh, uh, pass for now, go on, keep going. Nine left. You, are you out, Pete? Are you saying I'm out? <laughs> Just keep going, yeah. Okay, Grant. Uh, does that mean he's out? That means he's out. Oh, uh, 2-1-B? That's correct, yeah. Uh, Rich? R5-D4. Yeah. 
Ben. Death Star Droid. Yep. Grom. 88. Yep. Rich. Han Solo and Carbonate Block. Yep. Ben. Uh, General Maydean. No. His weapon... But that's not called, a freaking weapon, just, 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 His stick. weapon is named the Battle Staff, and Battle to me regards a weapon as a sit-down. Uh, no, I'm not having that. It's a stick. It's class. Is he going to have Ugnaught? It's a pointy stick for pointing at. That's a bar. That is a thing, but it is classed. Okay, wait a minute. I'm just going to flick through this book that I've got in front of me, and it states that it is a battle staff. Yes, so, basically, end of the day, well, Ben, uh, I'm in charge. So, right, Grant and Rich, I have got four left on my list, including the one I've got a question mark next to. So, battle ruler, more like. Um, uh, Admiral Akbar. That's correct. That is called a command stick, that one, Ben. That's a stick! That's got a bloody stick! <laughs> A stick Rich. for beating people with. Maydean's got a stick. Akbar's got a stick. A stick is a bloody stick. Can someone silence him? Rich is out. Yep. Can we boot him? <laughs> Rich. Uh, Yoda. Yeah. Oh, well done, mate. I didn't think of that one. Wrong. Too stick. late. Low grade. Give him a stick. Who'd you say? Snake. Low grade. Got a snake. No, that is incorrect, Grant. Low what? grade has got. No, Gray's got a war stick. It's got like a spear thing. No. This is rubbish. <laughs> a stick sucks. That's quite a vicious looking weapon, Grant. No, it's not. It's just... A... I- I'll leave you in, okay? That's debatable, okay? That's a bit like my other one. Stick someone's like that with that. So, so Rich. Um, actually, I'm not having that. I think you should be kicking Ben for that. Uh, sorry, Grant. Um, I'm going to go with... Um, Droopy Mc- uh, not Droopy Cole. Actually, yeah, Droopy McCall. Can't, you can't change No, they it. weren't in the figure range, were they? Well, they were. They were, they were in... The, they were never on the back of a card, were they? Oh, right. That's what we're going with, back of cards. Um, Changing the rules as it goes along. Because <laughs> I was going to say the Dino Noga monster as well for one of them. Ooh, right. Um, Five, four, three... I'll tell you what, there's, there's two, one which hasn't got a weapon. One, Anyone can give it to uh, me. Oh, I got one, I got one. Got New it. Snaggletooth. No. No, oh, it wasn't on a card. Yeah. Not on a card either. Uh, Yakface. No. Oh. Sorry. <laughs> a Manaman. <laughs> uh, no, that's interesting, Rich. A Manaman. A Manaman is the one I've got with a question mark. Yeah, no, it's dead. He's got blue-green skulls on it. Right, hush a minute. A Manaman is the one I've got with a question mark next to it because he has just really a stick where he hangs his heads. What about Chief Trooper? But there is one. No, Chief Trooper or Battle Shoot, is, this, is this just you, your like, opinion, or is this actually some sort of factual item? Uh, no, this is factual, Pete. Okay, what like, sticks, sticks are pretty vicious things. Right, there's one left. Sticks over through the Empire. Exactly. The Rancor Keeper? No. I wouldn't see that. That was a weapon. It's a, it's a bit... Get, what, what get is a pointy it? stick. It's a stick. It's a bloody stick. We can't differentiate. <laughs> it's a pointy stick. Well, I'm just looking up the official name of the Rancor Keeper's weapon. Big pointy stick. North the Rancor's the Rancor Keeper's weapon. That is yeah, yeah, a yeah. vibro blade. Anything with blade in the name. Can yeah, right. yeah vibro blades are terrible. Really vicious. Sticks with ends. I'll tell you something. You're missing someone who's just got a walking stick. Emperor. Emperor. Yes, well oh, done. I first, I win. The Emperor. <laughs> I paused, and I paused, and then came back. I win, yeah, in your faces. <laughs> Cheers. I'm off. I'm, 
I'm sorry, but the Emperor's got the Force, and as far as I'm concerned, that's a weapon. No! He's, that's got, a he's got lightning in his fingers. Uh, I win. Bye. <laughs> what happened then, Steve? Did, did we pass? No, um, I, 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 I think... I think Rich was first, Grant second, Pete third, and Ben was just a complete loser. Goddamn these collectors. What a load of junk. <laughs> right. Shall we move on to the general forum roundup? Are there any stick-based questions? They're all stick-based. This is the SWF UK podcast, brought to you in association with Star Wars Forum UK, a wretched hive of scum and villainy. for this month's forum roundup. Okay, first up in this month's forum roundup is a thread that Richard has been looking at, and it was titled Secret Santa 2014, and was put up by himself. Um, Rich, do you know that this is the third time you've chosen your own threads to cover in the forum roundup? <laughs> Are you telling us that you always post the best threads on the forum? Well, if I needed to tell you that, it wouldn't be the case. So I'm going to have to say yes, because you're telling me that now, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, so come on then, tell us about this thread. Yeah, blow um, your own trumpet again, Rich. Go on, give it a good blowing. Someone hit him with a stick. Is it not just a bagpipe? <laughs> right, um, yeah, a, a few years ago now, Star Wars Forum UK used to have a regular Secret Santa uh, running. And when I joined the forum, it had stopped. I'm not exactly sure what the reason for that was. Um, so I started it up again last year. And it was it was quite popular. It had its problems, but it, it was quite popular, and um, a lot of people joined in. And I think it was great to see the photographs of people um, on Christmas Day actually opening presents that they wanted instead of opening modern stuff that their family had bought because it had Star Wars written on it. Um, and I certainly know that my Secret Santa gifts were some of my best presents last year, so that was really wonderful. So I thought I'd do the same again. So we have 25 entries, which is more than last year, each paying £25 to buy a vintage present which is chosen from a list which is up on the forum and guys are paid at random and it's totally anonymous but what's different this year is that it fathers from Jez had the idea of we'll bring our vintage uh, prezzies down to fathers from and we'll perhaps open them on the night time um, it's some kind of big secret reveal and I'm sure all the locals will be going what are them idiots doing which I think is a great idea. The only person who against that is um, Nick Rayner, Nick Isla White. He doesn't like the idea. He's, he's, he's more than happy collecting his present at Father's Farm. He doesn't want to open it. And I think it's because nobody's told him that Santa does not really exist. <laughs> and, and, and I think he's worried that if he opens the present, that Santa won't come with any uh, Jawas for him. It's, it's all about community. That's what it's about. I mean, £25 is not a lot of money. Um, and it's very difficult sometimes to get something for £25. 
um, particularly when you've hit the you know the dizzy heights of the the Grand Criddles and the the Ian Sandersons and they 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 they, they struggle to put an item down on the list that they actually genuinely want. Uh, but it's great to see so many people getting involved, and hopefully it keeps all the newbies uh, joining in, and you know look forward to more people next year. So good luck everybody and and get shopping. Yeah, I just want to say um, I come across a little problem with Secret Santa last year. And that is because my Santa was secret, so I couldn't ask them. And uh, on my list, I asked for a, uh, an acrylic case to go for the Max Rebo band, and an acrylic case to go for a mini rig. And then I got an acrylic case and realized that this case kind of fits the mini rig or the Max Rebo. But I wasn't sure which one it was for, but I could never ask them. <laughs> you could have PM me, and I would have put, put that question on, because I, I certainly know that one or two guys have already sent this PM saying... <laughs> Stefan, Stefan, who goes by Walkie, his list last year was so funny. Uh, he, he had he had about fifty weapons on there, and nobody had heard of any of them. I don't know where. <laughs> I'm sure he made half of them up. You know, these Polish and Mexicans and, and Brazilian weapons. And I felt sorry for the guy who had who had Stefan. But <laughs> fair, fair place, the guy he, he pulled through, managed to get uh, Stefan some, um, hopefully some vintage goodies that he enjoyed. So. Yeah, so if anyone's got any problems in the Secret Santa, by all means, PM me and, I, and I'll sort them out. But as far as I'm aware, everybody in the main kept it secret, even, you know, up until now. So well done, everybody. That's what it's all about. Is there, is there a cut-off uh, for, you know, people who have joined the forum or posts or anything like that? Yeah, there, were, there was a cut-off. Um, I think you had to have a minimum of 50 posts and you had to have been a member for a few months. And, and there was one guy who was very, very uh, close to the cut-off point. But I checked his posts out. He seems genuine. He's, he seems to have joined in the hobby. He's, he's put photographs online of his collection, and he's going to come to Father's Farm. So, you know, good, good on you. But um, you know, you have to be careful because we've been burnt in the past where guys have joined. You know, they've received and girls pretty, and girls, and they've received some pretty good gifts, um, and then they disappear around about January time, and it does leave a sour taste in the mouth. It's really difficult to organise one of these. I was speaking to Aussie James last year. And they are so stressful. And you have people who send you, I would like to be paired with people from this country, but I don't want paired with somebody who was this, and I had this person last year, and I don't want somebody who's a bootleg collector. You know, you'd be surprised some of the things you get. Hey, I had the same thing with the T-shirts. <laughs> yes. Ah, yes, oh, yeah, but this, but not yeah. this. It's like, uh, you know, don't give them any choices. That's the worst thing. You know that as a teacher, Rich. Surely don't give yeah. the children choices. Tell right. them that they're having apple crumble, and that's all there is. Yeah, that's actually that's a good idea. I wouldn't mind an apple crumble for me, Secret Santa. Actually, I do like that. <laughs> yep, it's so we're, we're looking forward to Father's Farm, where we're going to take lots and lots of photographs, whack them up on the on the forum, and all all shaving Santa's uh, niceness. Please, 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 whoever has actually got rich. Can they please now send him an apple crumble? <laughs> I would love nothing more at Farthest From to see him open it and an apple crumble there. With all juice dripping out. <laughs> yeah, be brilliant. Yeah, there you go, Rich. If, if, you're, if your present is warm, could <laughs> you just an apple crumble? <laughs> now, the second thread we'll be looking at is a thread posted up by Moose in the Hoose and was titled What's in the Box? And uh, I've been looking at this thread and um, this is bloke. Dave Moss um, on the forum, who bought a, a mail-away box about five, six years ago, white and sealed, and has no idea what's been in it. It's just been sitting on a shelf. And uh, he started up a... He runs a Toy Polloi um, YouTube station, 
where he talks about vintage toys. He started putting this box on his YouTube channel to drum up some interest more in his YouTube station. But he got chatting to a guy from the Collector's Gazette of Great Britain who was really intrigued by what was in this box. And he had a contact at Nottingham University. And I've spoken to Dave, and this is what he has to say about his box. Right, I'm delighted to be sitting here now with David Moss, Moose in the Hoose. Is that correct, off the forum? That is correct, yes. That's my, my weird name, yep. yeah. Uh, evening, Dave. Evening. Right, basically, I'm, I'm speaking to you tonight about a thread you put up called What's in the Box? And uh, it's certainly caused some intrigue amongst collectors on and off the forum, hasn't it? Yeah, it really has. It's gone, it's gone uh, way crazier than I ever, ever imagined it would, considering it's just a small white uh, mail-away box. But uh, it, it does, has intrigued people. Let's give this box a bit of a backstory. Basically, what I believe is you've got a white mailer box, which is sealed but has no markings on it. Yeah, that's right. I picked it up. Uh, it must have been five or six years ago. I bought it off eBay just as a, a mail-away box. The guy I bought it off wasn't really sure what was in it, and I think I only paid five quid for it, so it seemed a, a bargain at the time. And it's just been sitting in my box of sort of obscure Star Wars bits for, you know, for five years of me never looking at it. Is this 100% Star Wars? Is there a chance that when you find out what's in it, that you could have a random action force or something? Different? It could it could well be, yeah, because I, I bought the guy thought it was Star Wars, but wasn't particularly sure. And as, as it's sealed, you know, it, it could be anything. But my guess is it's going to be Star Wars because it just looks like all the other mail-away boxes I've ever seen. It's that size, same sort of card, you know, and the same sort of sellotape on it. And it feels about the right weight. You know, it's that sort of it's got that feel about it. But it really it could be anything. So you, you say you've had this for five or six years, you just say? Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, I can't even remember when I bought it. It's been, it's just been sat. It's, in fact, it's been sat inside an attic for that that long. So you haven't been actively seeking a way to uh, find out what's inside you. It was, it was literally because I started up my uh, Toy Poloi YouTube sort of toy review channel. I wanted a way of interacting with people, and I thought I sort of was rummaging around my collection and thought, oh, well, this this might be a good thing to get people. You know, see if people could try and help me work out what was in there, just as a bit of a joke. And it has gone a little bit crazier than I ever thought it would. Well, of course, yeah, because you, you were on Radio Nottingham last week, were you? That's right, Radio Nottingham, yeah. And it's, uh, they, they seemed quite intrigued by it. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, far, far more interesting to people who don't collect toys, I think. Are they doing a follow-up show? Yeah, yeah apparently it's going to be scanned on October the 15th by Nottingham University. Uh, and then I, I have a feeling that actually... Uh, that BBC Radio Nottingham w- will be at the scanning at Nottingham University. I'm not going up there. A guy called uh, Rob Berman from the Collector's Gazette is, is taking it there. He currently is the holder of the box. Um, so uh, he, he's taking it there because I, I don't live anywhere near that. Oh, right. You're not up that direction then? No, no. I'm a, I'm a Somerset boy these days. Oh, right. Yeah, a long way off then. Well, you just said Nottingham University are the ones doing it. How did that come about how have you got them involved and uh, how are they actually going to find out what is in that box uh, well that again that's actually all through this uh, uh, rob guy the collector's gazette um, he he got in touch with me because he was intrigued by the box and thought it might be an interesting article for his his website and uh, you know we were chatting and he said that he he would see what he could do and he just he found nottingham university online that said they had this new x-ray department so he just emailed them thinking that he would never hear back from them. And they emailed back straight away saying that they were really intrigued and wanted to do it because they have this new x-ray department that they're trying to sort of promote a bit and they thought it would be a good PR thing for them. So, uh, yeah, it's it's all just 
luck, I think, that it happened at this time. Ah, brilliant. So it's basically an X-ray machine, is what you just said, wasn't it? Do you know what? I can't remember the name of it. It's got some really long-winded name, but apparently uh, it's a 3D X-ray machine, so it will create a 3D image of it, and it it sounds like they might even be doing a a 3D print of whatever is inside the box, Uh, but I'm not quite sure on that at the moment. So it could just be a 3D image of what's in it, but I'm hoping for a printout, because that would be even better. It'd be interesting to see how how clear it is, you know, chance that there could be a first shot in there or a, something, a, a strange variant. Would, it, would you be able to tell from the, an X-ray image of it? I do not know. That's why I'm, I'm really not quite sure what, you know, how good this thing is. It, you know, is it going to be a vague sort of shape that we'll just be able to work out, oh, you know, it's a, it's a, a Dengar or something, or will it be a very clear image that you can see, you know, writing on the legs of it? Who knows? That's, that's, that is the big mystery. But, you know, a couple of weeks' time, we will find out. What would you like it to be? Well, what's the most expensive figure going? Rocket Fire and Boba Fett? Something like that? Yeah, I would have thought so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, if it was that, brilliant. But, yeah, I'm... Well, you never know, do you? No, no markings on the box, which is... They are normally marked, aren't they? I think so, yeah. I'm, I'm guessing it will be one of the more sort of common mail-aways from the UK. So it will be an Emperor or a Dengar or a, a Admiral Akbar, something like that. I don't know. It's, it, it's very hard to say. It just is such a boring box. If you were placing a bet, what do you reckon's in there? I think my bet would have to be on an emperor, just because it's like the, it is the most common mail away figure I think you ever see, isn't it? There's just so many of those around. Is, is the box quite heavy? Because he's a bit weightier than a uh, things like. Yeah, it, it's it's a, I can't. I did weigh the box. I can't actually remember how much it weighed. But isn't uh, the Rancor Keeper's always also a mail away? Yes, yeah, he would be weighty, wouldn't he? Yeah. So, it, and I think that's another he- fairly hefty figure. So. It's a bit sort of un, you know undecided. You can't really work it out from the weight. But yeah, I, I, my guess would be on a, a bog standard figure. But you know, I've fingers crossed it's going to be something you know really rare. Yeah. Well, it's certainly got everyone talking on the uh, on the forum, and uh, you've been on local radio, so you're uh, yes, <laughs> obviously a bit of fame up there. And you've been approached by Collectorholics. Yeah, again, I think they must have been listening to uh, to Radio Nottingham and uh, have, have been in touch. And I think they—it sounds like they've got a new series coming up, and they—they they were intrigued by the mystery of the box. So, um, uh, yeah, I'm sort of currently having a discussion with them. I haven't quite made up my mind whether I want to be featured on the, on that show because uh, I thought they were a little bit mean to some of the collectors that, on the last series, but made them out to be be weirdos. So um, I'll see what they have to say. But you know, I'll let you guys know if I am on there. Your 15 minutes of fame. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, David, it's been great speaking to you about this, and uh, I believe it's two weeks today that it goes for the X-ray, you said the 15th, so hopefully you'll come back on and you'll tell us, give us an update of exactly what was in there, well, what plans you got for it, really. I suppose it just goes back on a shelf in a box, doesn't it, once you find out? It does do, and it's, I, don't, I don't know, yeah, I'm, I'm open to suggestions, so if anyone's got any good suggestions of what I can do with a, a sealed box that we do actually know what's in it, um, you know, yeah. <laughs> let me know, let me know. Well, fingers crossed it's that rocket firing Boba Fett. Exactly, yeah. I do hope so. Retirement, here I come. (laughs) Well, thanks ever so lot, Dave, and uh, we'll catch up again in a couple of weeks. All right, cheers. Thanks a lot. Brilliant. Right, so as you can tell, Dave's uh, really, really um, keen and intrigued to find out what is in his box. It's only going to be a couple of weeks until he finds out. And uh, he will be on later on in the show to reveal exactly what was in that box. So, lads, let's just have a little little bet between us all. About what's in the box, okay? Everyone's got to choose something different, okay? So, Ben, who do you think's in there? <laughs> He's just blown his mind. Sorry, I had my, I had my <laughs> microphone off. 
I think it's a Dengar, as Richard calls them. <laughs> Rich? Whoa whoa, 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 whoa. What Dengar? A Dengar. Isn't it? There's a Palitoy one, isn't there? And there's a Kenner one. There's a big difference there, though, Ben. Can I not just choose Dengar? That way I've got both bases covered. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's Stuart's rules. I'll back off. <laughs> no, Ben. Palitoy or Kenner? <laughs> No, I'm not going to. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Dengar, Rich. A rocket firing fit. <laughs> Gron? Imagine if it was. Holy smokes. Um, I, I think it's the Emperor. I've got my fingers crossed that it's not a spirit of Obi Wan Kenobi, Power of the Force Two rubbish. I, uh, but I do think it's an Emperor. Okay, Pete. If it was a rocket firing fit, would how much would it be worth in a box sealed? Fortune. Thirty thousand, forty thousand. Yeah, fifteen, th- fifteen thousand dollars. I reckon and up. Oh, I think more. I think you're looking at fifteen thousand for one that's just loose now. Yeah, because they didn't. Um, that toy hunter program have one, and it went for fifteen grand, fifteen thousand bucks. But that's rigged. Whoops. Yeah, yeah, it's rigged. But I mean, <laughs> you know, it's still, it's still. They obviously went on some kind of markety type value. So I reckon I'm, a, I'm a rich. I reckon it's going to go for a lot more if it was that. But um, I think it's a Smurf. <laughs> It could, it could well be. We did discuss that, as you just heard, obviously, in that interview. Well, um, uh, yes, indeed. There's no guarantee it's Star Wars, but it does look like a Kenner mail away box. Ah, it's a I think it's going to be something like a survival kit. <gasps> something a bit random. So uh, we'll find out later Steve, on in the show. Steve, we? the Paddy Toy survival kit, or the Kenner one? <laughs> um, well, it's my rules, so either. Okay. <laughs> Kenner. <laughs> So we'll find out later on in the thread. Anyone else got anything to say about about this thread? Well, I was going to be honest with you. Initially, I, I thought this has blown up to something that it really isn't. He, he, he could have just weighed it with some other, you know, items that they all weigh different. But then I thought about it a lot more, and I thought, no, that this is, you know, genuinely exciting. So, so good on him for, you know, um, sending it off to a scar to get it done properly. You know, it really builds the excitement up. Yeah, it's brilliant. Um, sorry, Steve. Uh, go on, go on. It's brilliant coverage for vintage Star Wars stuff as well, and collectorholics are interested in it again. So yeah, I think it's just brilliant, really exciting. Yeah. yeah BBC, um, BBC Nottingham. Uh, they've already had him on the show, clearly, as he just said. But uh, he's, um They've also got a comeback, and they're actually going to the university for the big reveal. So they've obviously got some intrigue themselves there. But um, he's having his fifteen minutes of fame, isn't he? <laughs> All for a spirit of Obi Wan Kenobi. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> <laughs> Thing is, the, the, the actual reveal is going to be doesn't matter what it is unless it is to me stupid, but it is going to be rubbish, isn't it? Because <laughs> it's going to be a Star Wars figure. We, we oh, it's, all know. it's going to be worth a tenner, isn't it, or, so, or something silly <laughs> like that? But exactly. it's just having something which you have got no idea what's in there, and then suddenly you get to know. This journey uh, is far more exciting. The machine needs to break, so we have I more think, journey. The journey is more exciting. I think we discussed something similar to this earlier on when we first started the podcast up, didn't we? Someone had bought a sand crawler and they wanted to know about what kind of jowers were in the box and there was no way of finding out until about, apart from opening the box up. So oh, yeah. It's the same sort of thing, isn't it? But uh, is that, Does that mean there's a whole section now of Nottingham University's budget is going to scanning people's souls <laughs> toys? They're going to be inundated, aren't they? What would happen? I mean, how bad would it be if someone had... I mean, like that uh, Sonic Snow um, Land Speeder that went for, like, five grand. I mean, what happens if you, you got that and you found that it was... There was nothing... Well, it was just, like, 
bits of you know rubbish in there. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, like how bad would that be? You could you could open up a huge new incident, a, a Toy Tony style incident <laughs> of people who've been buying these amazing pieces and finding out there there's nothing in there. What about those um, revenge things? Those revenge uh, mini rigs we were talking about a couple of months yeah. ago. Can they, yeah. can they scan and read the paper? Well, that's I mean, what he, he didn't know that, did he? He doesn't know how clear it's going to be or exactly. Ah. Again, the follow-up chat with him will uh, explain all that as well, won't it? Ah, exactly please. what he found. All good. Right, let's move on then. The next thread has been looked at by Grant and was named £350 for a Kellerman and was put up as a thread by Palatoid Junkie. Grant. Yeah, it's uh, when they say Kellerman, they actually they're talking about a book, not a person. So I think they're talking about the uh, the vintage Star Wars figures John Kellerman book that came out a couple of years ago. Three hundred and fifty pounds is what the uh, market value of this is. So it's gone up. It's, uh, it, it, it's skyrocketing. You know, I can see the attraction in the book. It's a, you know, it is a fantastic guide to the U.S. Kenner market. Uh, it's full of glossy photos. It was an extremely enormous undertaking that uh, Mr. John Kellerman has done, you know, in making this book, and an incredible amount of work as well. Uh, the book is 259 large pages of awesomeness, and it sort of, you know, it categorizes the card, front and back combinations. It talks about mailers, coins, multi-packs, uh, pre-production items, displays, promotional stuff, uh, grading. There's, there's just so much stuff there. Is it essential to own one? I'd say yeah. I'd say if you're a Star Wars fan and you like collecting this stuff, even if you don't collect the uh, the US Kenner stuff, yeah, you should own one of these. Man, I was fascinated by it. There's a lot of stuff in there I didn't know myself. One of the fascinating things I thought was the foreign stickers on the Kenner cards, and I hadn't seen a lot of the um, these foreign stickers before. Uh, there was a Singapore fan club sticker I'd never seen before, which I thought was really exciting. Now, I bought my copy on Star Wars Forum for £100 in 2012, and it's now going up to 350 which I think is crazy. Uh, so I had a look on eBay and found out that there's been loads of Kellerman sold over the last month on eBay or the last month or two. But these are the prices that the ones are actually sold for. We've had 295 200 172 350 300 160 179 471 87, 142, 97, and 155. So anywhere between 87 and 471 pounds. Now bear in mind, for 471 pounds, you could get a Power of the Force carded Luke Stormtrooper. So I don't, <laughs> I'm not sure what's happened with this book. They're certainly not rare, but wow, people are after them. Maybe it's the explosion in... Uh, Star Wars collecting that we've been witnessing over the last couple of months, but this is obviously the book to get if you're collecting Star Wars US figures. Uh, yeah, I think this is absolutely uh, ridiculous. The, the book is good. It is very, very good. I'm not going to take anything away from it. There's some really, really detailed information in there, um, but once it started hitting above £80, it was just getting ridiculous. It was a book that struggled to sell, and there's very, very likely going to be another release at some point in the near future. And if it doesn't come out in an actual book, it will come out in a in an ebook kind of format or even as a web archive. So for it to hit the £150, £200 is crazy money. I think anything over £150 is shill building myself. I really can't see anybody paying £200 for no, this no, kind of book. No, somebody's will buy it now. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I still don't believe it. I, 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 I think there's people drumming up interest in the books trying to drive prices up I, I don't buy it at all 
there are some books that I have paid, you know, three, four hundred pound for, but they'd be worth it, such as first edition copies of books and things that I've collected. But I just don't understand why anybody would buy an outdated book uh, with the reprint due at some point in the future. I just don't get it. I, I mean, I can see why the, 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 I can see kind of why the book has gone up in price because, I mean, there's still something about a saucy book like that which you just want to have. I mean. I, w- I would like to see the whole book in I- in, a, in an electronic format, and I mean, I'd probably pay a reasonable amount for it. But I mean, yeah, that's just—I don't know what it is about books. I guess it's because some of us grew up going to libraries when you were kids. Maybe someone sh- should uh, resurrect a library just for Star Wars books because there were so many good books out there. Uh, some of these like specialist books, which I'd love to see, which are you know already at daft prices, or, or you can't get hold of them. But oh, it's so annoying to see the- this price go up and up and up. I might have to come around your house going to photocopy your book. Generally, as as collectors, you understand that the value of an item is determined partly by its scarcity, and, and these books just aren't that scarce. There's there's loads of copies around. I, I just I can't I can't understand. Like Rich was saying, you pay a lot of money for maybe a first edition of an old book where there are a finite number of first editions and some have been destroyed. But this book is in abundance. Most people, I mean, I haven't got one, but I know most people have. I suspect most of you guys have probably got one. Nope. Nope. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. Uh, Rich, have you got one? I would pay £35 for this book. Oh, um, I think, thir- I think £35 a fair amount for a hardback book of that size because I put it in par with the those big books that have come out recently from Rinsler and um, the Sunsweet books. But if somebody said to me now, he has a Kellerman book, 40 quid and it's yours, I wouldn't take it. Well, I find that I, I would pay 60 or 70 quid for it, but the money you're talking is just, it's just ridiculous. Right, the fourth thread of the month was put up by new forum member Mam Lewis and was called Vintage Shop Display. Ben, you've been looking at this thread. Uh, yeah, I have. This was um, something that I found quite interesting. Uh, Mam Lewis was a, a guy from Tenby in South Wales who worked for a family who owned an independent toy shop in Tenby. They have a display that they've had knocking around the shop for, well, the best part of 30 or so years, that was given to them back in the time of Empire Strikes Back, when they were selling Empire Strikes Back mint on cards and toys for Palatoy. Now, he came and placed this in the valuations thread initially, but I'm not really certain that they were ever looking to sell it, maybe just get an idea on price. But it's uh, a half dome. And it's got half Millennium Falcon in it, or most most of half of Millennium Falcon that's been cut in half. A load of Empire Strikes Back figures and original uh, 21 Star Wars figures as well, which have been affixed in place. Some are on the bottom of the dome, some are on a little shelf that projects out, along with the Empire Strikes Back Star Wars logo. And these were given to certain uh, top-tier, I think they call them, toy shops. So Palatoy would have had the toy shops that they would have dealt with, and certain toy shops would have been higher-tier, so would have sold more stock, and would have been the sort of top customers from Palatoy. And Palatoy had some of these domes made to send out to some of these shops as display units, basically. And it's quite an interesting story... They came via 
this particular one has got a marking on the back, which is NJ Farmer Associates. And evidently, a little bit of research was has been done on these in the past by David Tree as part of the Palatoy Archive and some of the other Palatoy Archivists. He was a former Palatoy employee who left to form his own company basically making these dioramas and these, these toy displays for toy shops, not just for Palatoy and the Star Wars line, but for uh, a few other suppliers as well. So he, he made this. He was supplied with the pieces from Palatoy. He made about 40. One of the other forum members, who I think is also quite a new member, called Lawrence Dyer, or that's his uh, username, he's put a post in this thread. He's got in contact with um, NJ Farmer Associates, a guy called Nick Farmer, and he's confirmed that he made about 40 of them. He, he wasn't exactly sure of the number for Palatoy. Some Empire Strikes Back, some Return of the Jedi. And they're all a little bit different as well. They're all quite unique. So it's um, quite a unique piece, a bit of Palatoy history, and quite a nice item to see. There's a few of these known, but obviously they're all different, and this is uh, an, a nice new discovery. The dome itself is in pretty good condition, some of the figures have yellowed a little bit, where obviously it's been on display, and a couple of bits have come off the top of the falcon, where it may have been moved around. But uh, a nice, a nice discovery to turn up, and um, quite a nice thing to see. Did any of you guys uh, see this thread? Anyone got anything that they thought about this? Yeah, and was there a, a valuation of, of this at the end? Was there, did they come to any con- conclusion, or was it up in the air still? Um, it, it seems to be a little bit up in the air. Spoons really was the only person that chipped him with a bit of an estimation as to the value, and he put it as something between eight hundred and a thousand pounds. But a lot of the Palatoy collectors who you'd have thought would have had their finger on the pulse were really stumped by it, since it's such an unusual item, and they so rarely come up for sale. Uh, possibly one of those sort of items where maybe if it does get sold, the market will decide how much it's worth or how much somebody's willing to pay for it. I mean, what do you guys think? Anyone care to uh, put a punt on the value that it may may or may not sell for? I was I was thinking, I think Spoons is right on there. 800 to 1,000 pounds. I mean, I don't know, but that, that to me seems about right. I'm honestly not that interested in it. It's a store display. It's, it is what it is. You know, if I had £800,000 to spend on Star Wars, this would be way down the pecking list. I think it's an interesting item uh, from a historical point of view. And like I said, the they've come on asking for a value, but it doesn't seem, if you read the thread, that, that, that they're actually that fussed about selling it. I think the guy's had it for quite a long time. I mean, it's an independent toy shop, so you imagine that he's probably... He's probably quite fond of it. Probably got some quite good memories for him. A bit of his history of his toy shop. And if you're honest, there's not that many independent toy shops around these days. So, a bit of an unusual thing. And finally is a thread that Pete has been exploring. And it's titled, Figures Released with Wrong Weapons or None at All. And was started by Poncho Belt, Pete. Yeah, this is the, this is the thread that intrigued me. And I, I posted a couple of pictures on it. Um, of an Ewok with a blaster, uh, which obviously never got any kind of uh, cardio release, and also Han Solo when he had his lightsaber moment. I think I think the third kind of pretty much covered most things. But um, one thing that kind of stood up, which no one really mentioned, was uh, on a lot of the um, I think it was the Empire Strikes Back card backs. Stormtrooper has been placed with a, a rifle, 
Um, I was trying to think whether that, that ever appeared in any of the films, why a stormtrooper actually came with a long rifle. Grant? Um, no idea. <laughs> um, it also comes with a machine gun if you get the YPS one. No idea. Yeah, I just I found that really, really odd. Rich, any experience of that? No, I'm saying, Grant, um, I'm assuming if they've shortened the rifle because the stormtrooper is really early, you know, somebody might have had the bright idea of saving pennies. Ben, any any thoughts? Uh, no, he's, not really. He's gone. He's run off. No, I mean, um, also, which because I posted a picture of an Ewok with a blaster, something the part of the film that never really got picked up on or does get discussed that often is the vicious little Ewoks. And if you think about it, they were trying to eat Han Solo. Um, they were they were quite aggressive little buggers. But um, why have we never really sort of looked at how evil Ewoks actually are? I would, I'm still waiting for um, a modern set of Ewoks wanting to eat Han Solo. I don't know about you guys. Do you know what? It's a bit off topic, but I thought, wouldn't that be you know, an amazing re-edit of Return of the Jedi if they go vicious like, like Pennywise the Clown in it? Like, you know, they're not like laughing, giggling whilst they're killing the Stormtroopers. They're actually really aggressive and you know, terrifying. Exactly. I mean, you know, why can't we turn around and... And they've got the main characters. And you think, hang on, I mean, all, our, our main heroes were with a bunch of rebels. Maybe they were like munching on some, uh, some <laughs> like zombies, munching on some bones of, of various things. I mean, they, they, they were very ready to uh, eat Han Solo. And it was something that was, that's never really been, been focused on. Could, could you imagine if we actually saw them eat Han Solo? I think that they could have taken an arm and got away with it. That's how he I dies mean, in episode seven. <laughs> that would be cool. I mean, people are always getting getting their hands cut off in Star Wars. So why not? What? Yeah, you know, why didn't they just let them let them have a piece of it? I mean, I mean, let's face it. Han Solo in Return of the Jedi was pretty much a, a wasted character. He didn't do a great deal. You know, his film was was Empire Strikes Back. So, you know, I think it'd be no shame if they had like taken a leg. He could have easily got back to the, the ship. So they, they could have had a leg. We could have had Han Solo with a robotic leg. How cool would that have been? Do you know what surprises me the most with these figures with the wrong weapons? is that someone so placid and in a control room like General Medine comes with a battle staff. A, a vicious battle staff. That is a vicious weapon. That is quite surprising, isn't it, Ben? Uh, you can poke a lot of eyes out of those things. You know? uh, Rich uses yeah. it in his school class. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and yet you'd think that uh, uh, like Ugnaught would possibly be able to batter somebody to death with his, um, his battle suitcase. So that, that, that was an attaché case, I reckon, with weapons in it. An attaché case? An attaché well, case. Some travel documents and a salesman's yeah. quote in it. An attaché case. <laughs> you know, do you know what, what an attaché case is? James Bond had an attaché case. Is he a briefcase? Was he an accountant, do you think? Maybe yeah. Uh, to uh, read uh, Lando Calrissian's, um, do his tax return for the uh, gas operation, maybe, for well, that year. Someone had to do it, didn't they? He couldn't have just got away with that. I mean, Lobot was too busy plugging himself into things, so... If he was a tax inspector, and that was full of tax documents, then that would be a crippening weapon financially to uh, Lando's operations at Bespin, so therefore would be some kind of weapon to be used for evil. Would that be the blue coat, Ugnor, or the the, the more aggressive uh, purple coat, Ugnor, or tunic, Ugnor? Either or, but perhaps let's move on. (laughs) <laughs> Indeed. Right, I've got two points about this, Pete. First of all, can you give her a list of the 
figures that have been identified with coming with the wrong weapons, uh, just for those who haven't read the thread. And secondly, do you think the, there's a time for some of us to argue it the other way around, where we recognise the weapons that our figures had, and then go back and watch it in the movie and go, oh, he's, he's got the wrong weapon in the movie. And we've, and we've actually got the whole Star Wars experience the wrong way around there. Rich, I'm not going to go through a list, because it will bore people to death. Um, the thread is there to be read. Um, I just thought I'd pick up a couple of things that I put on there, uh, because they were very good and got lots of uh, lovely uh, comments. Um, and the second point is, I forgot the second point, so I'm not going to answer that either. There's quite a few ones that I was thinking that I'd actually like to see changed, like take the uh, Ben Kenobi lightsaber and put it on the Luke Farmboy one, so you'll have not a yellow one but a blue one, which would be quite interesting. Let's uh, get rid of that uh, Bespin blaster for hand Bespin and give him the hand blaster instead. I think that would be a lot more exciting. So yeah, there's probably a few out there which you could swap the uh, uh, weapons around and they make a lot more sense. Let's give the Imperial Gunner a Stormtrooper blaster and get rid of his Leia Poncho blaster. So yeah, just off the top of my head, I can think of uh, a couple there that were probably the wrong way around. But um, yeah, let's get rid of Lobot's blaster because he never had a blaster and he can have nothing. Exactly, there were a lot of figures, weren't there? Which didn't you never really saw them with weapons, which they've they've weaponed up to give them something, an accessory. I mean, the Lobot thing is just ridiculous. I I still, I in fact, I didn't even realise that my Lobot didn't have a weapon until I went, went through an archive picture and thought. Oh no, I've got to buy another sodding weapon for him. <laughs> It'd be nice if the um, Princess Leia figures as well, like Leia Hoff and Leia Bespin, was given a Stormtrooper blaster rather than the Leia gun that she only uses at the beginning of the first film. I think um, Retro Blasting touched on this uh, on their YouTube channel. They were talking about the fact that Return of the Jedi figures don't have guns, they have staffs and the wrong colour lightsabers and stuff like that. Sticks. Rubbish like sticks, that. Yeah, death sticks. sticks. I think they're death sticks. They're not like... Oh, they're, yeah, God, I mean, no. Dean and his death stick. <laughs> the, the prune face looks like he's got a Playmobil weapon, doesn't he? Uh, I can tell you um, a little interesting fact about that. That rifle was used for Action Force figures, I think. It's an Enfield, isn't it? It's, it's something like that. He's obviously a World War Two. Um, enthusiast. Recreation <laughs> enthusiast, yeah. <laughs> Which made him <laughs> fantastic with the Ewoks. Yeah, I'd say never going to bat without a trusty bastard by your side. Or I like to take my Bren gun. I've got a good <laughs> old Thompson machine gun by my side. Never <laughs> failed me yet. Handed down by his great, 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 great grandfather. Hang on a minute, it was a long time, it was, it was a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Surely he, he's passed it down. Ah, there we are. Aha. Uh-huh. All the he weapons. All the weapons in World War One came from Pruneface. Exactly, he started it. Who's um, everyone's favourite weapon? Ooh. General Maydeen's battle star. <laughs> <laughs> I think the worst one is Akbar's love stick. That's just ridiculous. That's just a just a twig. It's rubbish. I like I like uh, Zookas's, um last rifle. I, you know, I just think the size of it is mental. I was just saying, I, I like the Cloud Car Pilot's iPhone 4S. <laughs> yeah. I do like Princess Leia's, bl- um, you know, the, the long thing thing. It is quite a feminine-looking gun. Come Rich, on, Rich. What's 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 your, come on, Rich. Um, probably the Luke X-Wing Pilot Blaster, I think. That's, uh, the Hand Blaster. Yeah, the Hand Blaster. Yeah, why not? That's the best one. <laughs> so that is the forum round-up round-up.
Right, now over to Rich for this month's boom story. Hi guys, well, as part of the feedback from last month's episode, a guy in the forum said, why is the boom story always negative? And I think that's a good point, and it, it wasn't something I considered, so I am now going to look at a, a positive a boom story for this month. And it's in celebration of the new format of the Star Wars Collector's Archive, which I'm sure every one of us has been on many, many times. Uh, I certainly know for a lot of my research, I use this archive uh, quite a lot, along with uh, other information that I find on Rebel Scorm and Source from UK, etc., etc. But a lot of it does point back to this archive, and it's absolutely invaluable resource. So the archive's had an update. I think it was rolled out on its 20th anniversary uh, a month or two ago, and it's had its whole front page re-updated, which looks fantastic. It's uh, following in the Power of the Force kind of style with the coin at the top and the logo, um, the Star Wars Collector's Archive banner at the top, and then we've got a scrolling menu of all the latest updates, which is a, a neat idea. Now, I'm mainly going to focus on the blog at the moment, because that's where all the exciting stuff's happening as far as I'm concerned. And once you click the blog link, you get put into the latest uh, blog story that's on there. Now, the guys who run the Collector's Archive are really keen on getting this blog going, and there are quite a lot of really, really interesting stories on there already, um, one or two from Ron Salvador, a uh, couple from um, Stephen Danley, and uh, one or two from other guys, which I don't have to hand, so apologies for that. Now, on the right-hand side of the blog, you've got lots and lots of search options. You've got um, searches by dates, and you've got um, archive information down the side there, which is really, really simple to use. And I'm just going to pick out one or two of the blog stories um, actually, before I do, I'll just talk about the interface a second. The interface is really, really keen. I wasn't so keen on the homepage initially. I thought it looked a bit dated until I'd realised what they'd done with it. I didn't. It wasn't immediately obvious to me that it was a, a card-back kind of format, um, and I was initially disappointed. But once I'd spotted it, I thought, "Oh no, actually, I, I see what they've done, and, and, and well done." So when you go into the into the blog part of it, it's a really, really clean interface. It's very modern. Um, it's very bright. I always prefer the, the, the whiter backgrounds and the light greys. Um, it's, it's much more pleasant on the eye. And the blog is actually taken up in the central placeholder on the pages there, so, so that's a really good format. Menus are consistent on both sides, the left and right, so everything's really, really easy to find. And it's got the key links down the left-hand side, such as Celebration 7, uh, Rancho Obi-Wan, and a link to Rebel Scum, uh, which, is, which is great. Now, there's two of the stories I'm going to very, very briefly look at. Uh, the first one was um, mine and Ben's little um, palatite time capsule, and that was added on mid, mid-September. mid I contacted Ron because I thought he'd be interested, um, not because there's anything great in there, but more from the historical point of view of this survived for so long, and I'm re- I was really pleased when, when Ron said, yeah, it would be a great little article to put on the on the blog, so... Thanks, Ron, for that. Um, I'm, re- I'm really glad our little story was of interest to somebody. Now, each month, probably going to have a look at the archive and pull out one or two stories. Um, some of the stories are, are much more interesting than others. And the one that I'm going to look at today is the one that's entitled A Common Misconception. Now, it's a really, really good article um, from Ron, and it was posted on September the 24th, and I really encourage everybody to go and have a look at it. 
because it goes right back to the start of when Kenner first got the Star Wars license back in 1977. Now, I, I wasn't aware of this, actually, but a lot of people apparently seem to think that Kenner were really, really slow in getting their products out. Uh, and Ron's argument is that it actually wasn't the case. Fox and Lucasfilm were um, pitching toy ideas out to all the uh, big manufacturers in America. And uh, Kenner didn't even get onto the port until January 77. Uh, negotiations started around about February time, and it wasn't until about April before um, the deal was struck. So obviously, remember, that's very, very close to when the, the movie premiered. So Kenner had a lot to get on with. You know, if you're making toys, you've got the tooling, you've got the marketing, um, you've got concept ideas, etc., etc. So there was no way on earth that Kenner was ever going to be ready for that Christmas. It's very interesting to see that Kenner was actually going to push the game line as well. Now, it could be that obviously they were branching out in different areas. Nobody knew that Star Wars was going to be the, the success that it was. Um, it could have just been a 12-month fad. It could have been an 18-month fad. So, so Kenner was very keen to make as much money as they could very, very quickly. And toys, you know, they, they, they do take a long time to make, especially when you're looking at a lot of plastic. But board games and puzzles and, and borrowed sets from Six Million Dollar Man and, and other items that they've had out there would have been very, very easy to make. Now, if you think of what Kenner actually did, they released 12 action figures... Uh, three vehicles, which was the uh, Millennium Falcon, the X-Wing, and the TIE Fighter. Um, the huge Death Star playset, and many other um, items such as the board games and um, stationary oddball items, etc., etc. Um, and they got all of that out by the middle of 1978. So that was a, approximately 12 months from signing the contract to getting all these things released. Uh, it's a really, really interesting article that he's got on there. Peter, have you got any uh, uh, comments to make on this? Yeah, Rich, I, I really do love the, the, the whole the whole new style of the Collector's Archive. Um, I think they're, they're, they're sort of going through and updating bits and pieces as they go along. But I mean, it's, it's the resource I always go to straight away. I mean, you know, it can't be it can't be said enough that this is this is the number one place probably we all go to for for research unless you know it all. Um, the only thing that annoys me, it has to be said, as a technical person. On um, on websites is the front page scroller thingy. It's it's unnecessary and it's not needed. Um, if guys you are out there listening, this is not a criticism against you. I would just get rid of it and go straight into the blog because the blog is is everything, and then lead people to the archive from there um, because it, it's it's technology that doesn't work very well across the board. It it, it hangs for a long time on various browsers and it kind of goes through there, but. You know, please, please don't take that as a sort of like anti-Stars archive blog because I live on that blog at the moment. I think it's one of the best. It is probably one of the best blogs out there um, that's relating to, to vintage Star Wars toys, and I'm on there every day and I'm learning loads. And I really think it's a a brilliant story that we've got. You've actually mentioned this, Rich, because you know that this archive doesn't get enough credit. I don't think across the uh, you know, I mean, we should all be using it, all be reading it all day. It's the best. Uh- you guys said that you use the Star Wars archive a lot. Uh, Stu, do you ever use it? I do go in there most days and uh, have a little read up. Yeah, and I, I, I must admit, I really enjoyed the blog posts. Brilliant little uh, aspect. Yeah, uh, I've never heard of the Star Wars collector's archive. I'm only joking. I use it all the time. Uh, without it, I don't know if I'd be able to write my oddball section. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, it's brilliant, uh, and it's really good as well because there's a lot of information there that I guess is 
unique to people who have done all the groundwork and have uh, investigated all of this and studied this. So it's nice to have that kind of access now and uh, and not have it limited to a select few. I, I really enjoy it. I think it's really good. And you know, congratulations as well, guys, for having your um, your little Paddy's Toy time capsule on it as well. I thought that was super awesome. But yeah, I'm looking forward to the um, the future of it as well. It looks like it's going to be a really exciting future for for those guys over there. So, in the comments section at the bottom of the blog, I asked the question, did any of the big monopolies of toy uh, manufacturers in America uh, try and muscle in and push Kenner aside, who were quite a small company, um, once they realised that the Star Wars brand had exploded with the fan base? And Ron replied by saying that um, it was a legally binding contract, everything was signed, the the other licences, you know, they didn't have a chance. Uh, but then Tommy responded a few days later, Tommy Garvey, and he said that a company called Ideal, um, they did try to get Fox to drop Kenner um, because obviously they'd realised such a mistake that they made, but Fox refused and they weren't open for negotiations. Um, obviously, they would have been con- concerned about any kind of litigation. So Ideal went off to make um, some kind of Star Wars knockoffs, which probably sold fine, and that's just because Kenner's stuff wasn't really released at that time. Now, Kenner obviously were panicking, um, and they would have been scared of other companies coming along, so they decided to rush some of the board games out. Um, and I suggested that with the focusing on games as well, because they were so quick to make. And, and Tommy's more or less agreed with that and said, "Yeah, sure." The things like the early bird kit, which really shouldn't have taken much time to design once they had the concept sorted out. Some of the early puzzles um, and the board game um, could have come out fairly quickly, so that everybody knew that Kenner was at least having a go. So. I've learned some really, really interesting um, tidbits of information on there, and I think the guys who run the Collector's Archive are really, really keen for as many people as possible to go onto the archive um, and actually get involved in the conversation. Don't just leave, you know, little one-liners here. Um, actually get involved in the conversation, ask questions. The response has been really, really quick. Um, you know, if I've left a comment, and you know, within a couple of hours, I've had one of the guys respond to them all the time. And there are, I'm just counting up now, there's 17, there is, there's 26 articles already on there, and it's only been going uh, a couple of months, which is absolutely fantastic. So, well done, guys, an absolutely fantastic effort, and I want to be checking this blog out every month, and I'll be bringing the best stories to our listeners. <laughs> Now over to the Games Master for our second instalment of the Oddballs Computer Games. Okay guys, welcome to this month's uh, Oddball section. A bit of housekeeping before we go forward. Probably covering too much ground in the Oddball section and it's going to be 
There seems to be more uh, quantity rather than quality, so I'm thinking about maybe breaking it down a little bit so uh, I'll have more to talk about for longer and uh, we can do a bit more in-depth analysis, especially with the Sigma items. That could have probably been about two or three episodes. Uh, going back to the last month's Oddball, uh, which focused on the video games and computer games from 1982 to 1992, I actually found some of... Prices for the rarer games, which I didn't have last month because I wasn't looking on foreign websites or any British ones for American games. Anyway, on the Star Wars on the Famcom, I found a graded one. Uh, it was graded 90, and that went for £987.53. A copy of Empire Strikes Back on the NES, which was graded 80, went for £216, and another one went for £185. So, obviously, there's a major difference here between the graded and the ungraded, uh, much more even so than with the action figures. One of the things I might have discussed but I, but I didn't actually go into was it was a game by Lucasfilm Games in 1990 called Night Shift have any of you guys played Night Shift? no I've never heard of it no well Night Shift was a game that came out in 1990 where you play a manager of a factory called Industrial Might and Logic which is like a parody on the name of you know Industrial Light and Magic and where you actually make vintage Star Wars toys now the concept is to make you know is to make sure that the, the, the factory runs properly and you, you make Darth Vader figures and Stormtrooper figures, C-3PO and R2-D2. came out on MS-DOS, uh, the Spectrum, Amstrad, Commodore Atari ST and the Amiga. So it's not, it's not too in-depth, so don't you know, run out and buy it and plug a 3D printer into it and thinking that you're going to be able to solve your missing pop-up saber problems. It's not like that at all, it's just an old fun Lucasfilm game. But uh, yeah, it should be worth, even though it's not an actual Star Wars license, we should mention it. After all, it's, they're making Star Wars toys. So, anyway, moving on to 1990, which proved to be an excellent time to be a Star Wars game, as we'll, as we'll discuss. Especially as the games opened up the Star Wars experiences as the technology got better. And especially with the excitement and the possibilities of what will happen when the new trilogy would arrive at the end of the 1990s. So, first of all, I want to move on to the Super Star Wars trilogy on the Super Nintendo. Super Star Wars 1992, Super Empire Strikes Back followed the next year. 1993 and finally Super Return of the Jedi arrived in Now, it seems like LucasArts and Nintendo had a great relationship. There was the, the games that came out uh, on the NES. You have this Super Star Wars trilogy. And then you had the massive multimedia drive with the, uh, the campaign behind Shadows of the Empire, which was a uh, Nintendo 64 launch title. And towards the end of the decade, as we'll get into next month, you also had wrote the Rogue Squadron series and uh, Star Wars Racer, which was a big game for the Phantom Menace. So it seems like LucasArts and uh, Nintendo had quite a relationship throughout the 90s. Super Star Wars Trilogy was essentially a set of platform games which were broken up by uh, vehicle segments that follow the original trilogy in chronological order. Uh, There are some some allowances and deviations made from the story to add to the excitement and adventure of the game. Uh, They were developed by LucasArts alongside a company called Sculpted Software, and released by JVC and THQ. Uh, the platform sections, you took the role as a character, and it was sort of like a sideways scroller as you battled your way through levels. As the games advanced, you'd have more character selections, so each character would have you know, slightly different uh, attributes to help you 
get through the levels. It also uh, aligns itself or regards to what happened in the film, like you know, Luke Skywalker gets his lightsaber later on in the in the in the in the games and gets his force powers later on in the games and then abandons his gun and only has his lightsaber. So, you know, it does hold quite true to what we saw in the films. The vehicle levels also utilize the power of the Super Nintendo's Mode 7 graphics, which was sort of like a a pseudo 3D texture map graphics engine for the time. Um, I'm sure any of you guys who are listening, Mode 7 played a major part in the uh, playground debates of Mario vs. Sonic in the early 90s, so you probably know exactly what Mode 7 is. Uh, these games were also known for being pretty difficult as well. Uh, Empire Strikes Back actually saw the introduction of a password system because of so many complaints about the difficulty of the original. Uh, and what made Super Return of the Jedi unique was it was also released on the Game Boy and the Sega Game Gear. All of the sounds and music for these games really stood out because they used the Super Nintendo's sound chip to, the, you know, to its full performance. Uh, as you'll hear as I'm splicing you know, parts of the game, hopefully, into this. Uh, into this. Uh, all the games have been re-released on Nintendo's Virtual Console in 2009 for the Wii. Uh, and what was really fantastic about it is we finally got a trilogy of games that could stand on, uh, alongside the, the trilogy of films that we have. So, guys, uh, any thoughts on Super Star Wars? Uh, well, the Super Star Wars trilogy. Yeah, I loved, absolutely loved these games as a child. Um, I think they were the first video game that I played regarding Star Wars where you had Darth Vader's breathing, the proper electric sound of the lightsaber. It still excites me now when you hear back to that. Um, you're right, the, the Empire Strikes Back game was extremely difficult, and without codes and cheats, it wasn't really worth playing. You used to walk through that game and the health bar, your health bar used to just go down straight away. You seem to be spending the game healing rather than uh, actually competing in the game. But I absolutely love them. Absolutely brilliant games. And they just take you through the whole story. And the graphics on Return of the Jedi was spot on for the time. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant games. Collecting these games is a lot like we discussed earlier. Grading obviously helps. I'm sure there's much more complexity in the different types of releases, packaging or foreign releases that I'm overlooking here. What I did find is that you can buy, you know, any Super Star Wars game for 10 to 30 pounds in varying condition on uh, on an auction site any day. But when you get the graded ones, it's a lot different. So, you know, a graded 85 first print Super Star Wars I saw go for sale for 617 pounds. Uh, a graded 90 player's choice release was 185 pounds, which I guess is a different a different release from the original one. A graded 85 Majesco reissue of Return of the Jedi, £155. So I'm guessing there's, you know, there's so many different versions of Super Star Wars that you could buy. I think it's worth uh, also mentioning some of the, some of the artwork on the, uh, the game's uh, packaging as well. I think, uh, I think it was Ed off the forum has got, uh, is a bit of a collector and he's got some amazing pieces um, of, of the artwork, the box artwork and stuff. I mean, I mean they really did. I mean, it, it is actually worth um, collecting this stuff if you ever get hold of it and it's worth looking at Ed's stuff because it, it just I don't know the, there, there is something wonderful about the uh, the Star Wars poster design and that has been repeated throughout all the all the, the, the game console uh, packaging throughout um, the entire generation I don't think I've, I've seen a bad bit of design actually it is all wonderful yeah I think that, that was really the attraction is that you had the three films and then you had the three games of the three films as well you know it was it, it worked as a unit and I think I think that was uh, that was really attractive and, and a fantastic way to start off the 1990s
Uh, before moving on to some of the other games that came out in the 1990s, I briefly want to talk about LucasArts. Uh, LucasArts was founded in May 1982 and was known as Lucasfilm Games. It changed its name to LucasArts in the early 90s. Uh, LucasArts games were known for top gameplay, uh, but their games were also unique because of their, you know, they had great comedy in it, great voice acting, uh, very immersive, uh, lots of innovation in gaming. Uh, much like Lucasfilm, the parent company, you know, they, they had you know, minimal output, but when they did uh, release a title, it basically defined or changed the industry. Uh, for example, um, LucasArts developed what they called the iMuse system, which was a, uh, a change to the music depending on what was happening in the game. For example, if you were in, uh, if you were flying an X-wing and then uh, a Star Destroyer turned up, the music would change and be a lot more dramatic to reflect what was happening in the gaming experience. Uh, they also released another thing called Scum, which was a, a script creation language utility for, the, for their really popular point-and-click adventure games. Uh, another thing they made was called Insane, which is not Chris Mann's workout that we heard earlier. Uh, it was uh, a form of video compression. Grime, which was like a 3D graphics engine, and Sif, which was like another type of graphics engine that they used for you know, the, the Jedi Knight game. LucasArts were massively successful in what they did, uh, much like their parent company. But I think, you know, the first of their core appeal come with their PC games, and especially their PC adventure games. I'm talking about games like Monkey Island, uh, Manic Mansion, Sam and Max, The Dig, Indiana Jones and the Fate of Atlantis, all received high critical acclaim and legitimized the PC as a serious play- gaming platform. Did you guys have any experience of these early uh, Lucasfilm games? Yeah. I um, Monkey Island was a, was a, was a big one. It, 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 it was the first time I kind of seen nice graphics on my brother's PC, which he had, and uh, the whole storyline that you kind of followed. It, it was a little bit frustrating because you didn't have enough. You wanted to almost play something different, but you had to kind of follow the script through as such. But it was kind of my first introduction to to adventure games um, that was a little bit different, a bit more involving, and, and it was actually like watching a film and being involved in it. So, and that's kind of carried on, hasn't it, over the years? But uh, yeah, then the, the Secret Monkey Island was that the first time. That introduced me to the games, and then the Star Wars ones kind of took it over and took it on. Monkey Island was really, really frustrating because these were like pre-internet days. So when you were stuck, you had nobody to turn to. <laughs> and I remember going to this. I remember going to school and saying, "Has anybody complete? Has anybody got past the spitting competition? Has anybody figured out how to get the monkey away from the piano?" And until somebody had figured it out, I mean, what did you do? Yeah, you could buy one of these uh, computer magazines, and um, I mean, where I live, nobody had a telephone um, back then. But there were like numbers you could ring, where you could leave voicemail messages, and, and they would get back to you. But it, it was so difficult. Richard, uh, it wasn't that long ago. It wasn't like before telephones, you know. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> or TVs. It's a computer. We, we've only just got electricity in the last five years. <laughs> and also, Monkey Monkey Island was so easy because because you, you couldn't get. How could you get stuck on that? Pete, you're forgetting that we're like 15 years younger than you, so you had more intelligence back then. Do you know what I, what I think is interesting, though, is it, it brought in another level of uh, gameplay, you know, where the sort of like the, the games of the time, the Nintendo, the, the, the Sega systems were very arcade-based and very much, you know, button mashes. This brought in sort of like a, 
an intellectual sort of gameplay where you know a lot of thought would have to go into it, and there would be a lot of innovation in the design of the games. I think Lucas Arts did a game called um, Pipe Dreams, where you know the simplicity of using uh, pipes to channel water, but the gameplay was there, and it was so addictive and well thought out. Yeah, obviously the the success of these early games on the PC. It was only a matter of time before you know they would move this, move these genres into the Star Wars world, and you know start making Star Wars games on lots of different other platforms like simulators, first-person shooters, and, and lots of other different kinds of genres. Um, I'll go into some of the Star Wars licenses that LucasArts are famous for, but unfortunately, LucasArts is no longer with us uh, since the Disney takeover. I was a major LucasArts fan in the 1990s, but they haven't, you know, as far as I know, really, they didn't do much gaming that was as good or as successful as what they did in the 1990s. And I've viewed all kinds of contradictory stories about what actually happened at LucasArts over things like The Force Unleashed, uh, Layoffs, uh, Star Wars 1313, Battlefront 3. So it's really depressing, actually, to think a company that was uh, so beloved by gamers in the 1990s and give us so much towards the Star Wars experience no longer exists anymore. But yeah, but, you know, as we'll see now uh, over the next two podcasts, I think LucasArts had a golden age in the 1990s and released some of the best Star Wars games out there. That's, you know, maybe we should put a petition up to see if anyone would be more interested in seeing if LucasArts release any of their old games again. You know, I'd be up for a, an update to X-Wing or a, uh, an update to, you know, uh, Jedi Academy. Uh, you know, you never know. Anyway, moving on to the X-Wing series. For me, you know, LucasArts as a company was brought to my attention with the release of uh, the X-Wing series. Every boy in the 1980s, their dream had finally come true uh, to be able to fly X-Wings as well as TIE Fighters and other Star Wars ships. Also, that these games came out just as the Dark Times was ending as well, so Star Wars was definitely back. Uh, The X-Wing games are basically flight simulators in space. A lot of missions centred around story-based dogfights with players engaging the enemy while cycling through power thrusters and lasers and shields. The series itself is made up of four games as well as collector's editions and uh, add-on packs as well as budget label releases. So, you know, a basic breakdown of the series is X-Wing came out in 1993 and had expansion packs Imperial Pursuit and B-Wing as well as a collector's edition that was released in 1994 which which was a reissue of the X-Wing game but on CD-ROM now as CD technology was breaking into the market which sort of tweaked a lot of the bugs and improved the graphics as well as using the uh, the flight engine for the next game. Uh, the next game that they released in the series was TIE Fighter in 1994. This also had two expansion packs, Defenders of the Empire and a, and a TIE Fighter Collector's Edition. X-Men vs. TIE Fighter came out in 1997, which also had the expansion pack called Balance of Power. There was an X-Wing Collector series in 1998, uh, which again sort of revamped versions of X-Wing and TIE Fighter with a new X-Wing vs. TIE Fighter flight engine. And then finally X-Wing Alliance in 1999. There's also an X-Wing trilogy pack that came out in 1999, which contained X-Wing and TIE Fighter with updated graphics using the X-Wing Alliance uh, game engine. Uh, these X-Wing games have defined an entire selection of gaming when it comes to space combat simulators. All were extremely well received to high critical acclaim, all were bestsellers, all received a ton of computer and video game awards. Each game built on the last with graphical sound updates and gameplay tweaks. 
the original was one of the first games to use 3D polygon graphics rather than texture map graphics. Interestingly, for the X when X one was moved over to the CD-ROM version, they used the voices of Eric Brownfield, who was Admiral Ackbar's voice in Return of the Jedi, and Clive Ravel, who was the Emperor's voice in Empire Strikes Back. So it's nice to see the, that, that, that link there. TIE Fighter was especially well-received. Uh, it was the first time you could ever experience playing for the Emperor or flying TIE Fighters. Uh, and you could even organize an attempt to overthrow the Emperor. The game really showed the, the player or the audience for the first time the Empire's point of view. X-Wing vs. TIE Fighter, the sequel to TIE Fighter, uh, which came out in 1997, while still a hit, was criticized for abandoning the stories and became more of a simulator-based experience. But the, you know, they readdressed that in the Balance of Power expansion pack and put a story back in there. And while it's still a great game, it's not as popular as X-Wing or TIE Fighter. And finally, you know, in the shadow of the Phantom Menace, X-Wing Alliance was released in February 1999, which followed the story of the Azamine family. Uh, the game is noted for introducing the Millennium Falcon-type ships. Uh, I think they're called the YT-1300 or something. Uh, so you could actually fly those instead of just, you know, your single cockpit X-Wing or TIE Fighters. And you could, you know, you could fly the ship or you could go into the turret and use that. Interestingly, though, there was no expansion pack for X-Wing Alliance, unlike the other games. But the game has been heavily modified uh, by fans, which is great. Uh, you know, added new textures, updating the graphics, new missions, and lots of other mods. So, guys, we've got four games there, four expansion packs, four collector's packs, multiple releases. What do you guys think of the X-Wing series? I, I mean, this is a game I kind of dreamed of when I first started playing computer games. Yeah, you might remember a computer game called Elite, which was out probably yeah. before some of you youngsters were born. Um, and it was just a game where you kind of like explore the universe and space. You visited planets, you did trading, and blah blah blah. It was, it had an epic size to it, and it, and this is what these games kind of fulfilled. The fact that you were actually flying around space, there were sounds. You felt you were in the Star Wars universe, and it was totally involving. Um, I mean, I absolutely, I mean, these games really did. Well, I, th- I think they kind of finished me off. Because even though I love these games, I didn't play much after them because it all seemed to be bad imitations of them until some of the newer consoles came along. I think I think these are the last ones I kind of played before other things got away, like boozing at, at college. But uh, <laughs> yeah, um, I think I think I wasted many many nights um, stuck on X-wing. Um, and I think I also started to become rubbish at computer games after this one. But I mean, it, it was just the immersive Star Wars universe. You know, the sound effects, the the, the cutscenes. Uh, which now look <laughs> look look so static, but at the time we're like, oh my goodness, it's Star Wars. Yeah. Um, which which you know, I mean, because again, we, we have to remember that that there was no thought really of of new films coming out when these things came out. It was just you know we were coming up to having the the film was re released and redone, but you know there was only only the same rumours I had when we were kids that we have more Star Wars. So this this kind of fulfilled that that hole really that that we weren't ever going to get more Star Wars but so so we lived it for these games but um yeah just yeah real good times remembering those games I, I, I'm going to have to I do actually have some of these games someone gave me the other day I'm going to have to <laughs> find an old PC and load it on because uh, I want to relive it yeah one of the great things about the X-Wing game was um, it featured one of the very first AU stories have you ever heard of the Forlander paper? no no, well, the Forlander paper was—I um, wasn't even aware of its existence until about well, I'm going to say the late '90s, and uh, it's incredibly difficult to get a hold of. But it was a, a companion book that was released with the X-wing game. I think it came up with the floppy disk game, 
and it's got a um, a short AU story in there, which sets the scene for X Wing. So it's a, it's a very very early AU story. Um, obviously that'll be um, set aside as Legends now. And I still ha- actually haven't got one, but I know that there's PDFs which exist of it on the internet. And I haven't actually looked on eBay for a long time, seeing what they're going for. So um, I think I'll be doing that very soon. But secondly, what I loved about X Wing was I think it's the first game where you actually had to have a strategy. And I, I, I vividly remember one level on X-Wing where I think if, even if you fired three shots trying to defeat a certain tie, if you didn't run away from the battle, you could never complete the mission. And it took me ages to figure that out. And it was so alien to rush, run away from the ties and go and do something completely different. You know, losing 93% of your shields as you rush off to another battle because you had to save a frigate before it blew it to pieces and every time I tried to defeat the TIE fighters then go to the frigate I would I would help defend them for a good 10 minutes and they, they would always I would always lose the level it took me a long time to realise that um, and I know a lot of people rave about X-Wing versus TIE fighter saying it's a far superior game but I think X-Wing the first one for me is the better game um, just quite simply because it broke new ground it was it was it was amazing awesome game I have a really fond memory. I, my favourite is X-Wing Alliance, the one that came out in 1999. And one of the missions there, which I, I fondly remember, is that you have to go and rescue someone from a space station. And you could, you know, you'd have to go to these points and jump in and out of hyperspace. And you go to the point, you jump into hyperspace, you go through this big hyperspace, you know, light show. And as you come out of hyperspace, you, you come out behind a massive Star Destroyer Armada, including a big Super Star Destroyer that's, that's all heading towards this tiny little space station where you have to rescue your friend. And you have to sort of fly through the Armada, land, he jumps on board, and then you fly back to the Armada, back to the hyperspace point, and fly out. And for a Star Wars fan, I mean, that's incredible. Rich, you, you obviously love the X-Wing games. Pete, you obviously rate these games as well. Why aren't there new X-Wing games? What is going on with uh, Lucasfilm and, and their licensing? Especially with today's technology. These games are over 20 years old and they still rock. Why aren't we having new X-Wing experiences? I can only, I can only surmise that it's down to the, a licensing issue that that someone's got a license and not, they're not using it and then no one else can either get it or fix support. I mean, you'd think with all the new Star Wars coming out that something will happen, wouldn't you? That, you'd that, think that, so, wouldn't you? I mean, there's something coming out. These, guy, these games sort of... Uh, Defined space simulators for a yeah. decade. Exactly. Know, why are we playing new ones? I I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to text Kathleen Kennedy. <laughs> should I do that? I think you should. I think you should. I think you should. But I, I do. Th- I do like the. Uh, I mean, the, I, I can't see that they're they're going to ignore a market the size of Star Wars and computer games in the next you know couple of years. I just can't. There's no. I mean, like you've got Rebels. You're going to have a game on Rebels, aren't you? You're going to have a game on Episode Seven. You're yeah. just not going to leave it alone. They must be. I would think maybe they're they're building up towards it, and they're, they're going to then just going to nail it. I'm not surprised that we actually haven't got a new X-wing game because it's, it's PlayStation and Xbox is driving the market now. And you look at the most successful games of the time now. You've got um, you know COD, you've got um, Halo. Those kind of games are, are so big, they're so in depth. If they're going to create something like X-wing to keep the kids who at the end of the day are the mass market to keep the kids interested in that kind of game you're going to have to be flying an X-Wing and then you're going to have to be landing on a planet and then you're going to have to be jumping out of the X-Wing completing a full mission that's going to take days to complete get back in your X-Wing and then do some more missions you know a bit like Battlefront but you know a a lot more in depth I don't think releasing 
X-Wing version 4 or 5, whatever we're up to now, on the PlayStation or the Xbox is going to appeal to either of those companies. But the others weren't released on Xbox or PlayStation. They were a PC game, so why not make a budget PC game? I think the scope is there. I mean, I mean, we're, you know, without spoiling too much, Grant, there were X-Wings in the new Star Wars film. Um, yes. And uh, I think... That that has the scope because you think of the technology now has moved on. I mean, you think of how big X Wing was as, as a game itself and its scope. You think how big it was then and what you could do now. I mean, you could make an absolutely fantastic mission game with, like, like say, Rich, you, you could combine it with, you know, hopping out your X Wing, doing a space battle. I mean, that seems to be the way that, that some of the modern, like, Rogue Leader and Rogue Squadron kind of games went. Um, and I don't see a reason why they couldn't do an epic space game with. Enormous scope with yeah. planets, um, missions, all sorts. You know where you really are going for it. And there's no reason you could have a um, a, a, a battle flight type game. I mean, and we don't have to keep running around. I mean, I mean, I find that almost quite dull. I mean, I think people are, are after a different type of game, and I, I I think it would sell well, and, and it will sell well because it would be Star Wars. But I think a, a, an X Wing new generation will will be out in the okay. next few years. I'm sure of it. Contact Kathleen Kennedy and say. We yeah. want either a new Dark Forces game or a new X-Wing game. Thank you, or we're not going to turn up and watch Episode 7. <laughs> okay, just to finish here with the X-Wing series. X-Wing Limited Gold Edition. I found a copy that sold for £125. So they are they are collectible. And, and by the look of it, the games, for the most part, have actually kept their value. So, um, so yep, so Kathleen Kennedy, our... Email is swfukpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you, and I would be really excited if you could give us some more X-Wing games. Thank you so much. Right, moving on to uh, the Rebel Assault series. a period of civil war. Rebel spaceships striking from a hidden base have won their first victory against the evil Galactic Empire, who, under the command of Darth Vader, ruled the galaxy with an iron fist. The Empire, however, is far from defeated. Many young unknown pilots have joined the rebels in the hope they can restore freedom to the galaxy. Rookie One, welcome to Collidor. Uh, Rebel Assault series came out in 1993 uh, with a sequel in 1995. This is, you know, you have to go back. This is the introduction of CD technology into the early 1990s, which saw lots of uh, experiments, especially with FMV or full motion video in gameplay. Rebel Assault came out in 1993. Rebel Assault 2, The Hidden Empire, 1995. Now, these were uh, rail shooters with FMV backgrounds and had heavily restricted gameplay. It did have full motion video cutscenes, which was such a big deal at the time as it was the closest we'd ever had to watching new Star Wars since Return of the Jedi. These games were released for the Mega CD, the Apple Mac, the PC, the 3DO. The sequel later came out on the PlayStation as well which was a new system that came out in 1995. Uh, basically the story is that you follow Rookie 1 and 
his story fo- follows alongside the uh, the story of the original trilogy. Rubber Salt 2 actually used the first new recorded footage of live actors uh, filmed for Star Wars since Return of the Jedi. Uh, the sequel has its own separate story concentrating on a new type of TIE fighter. Guys, did you play the Rebel Assault games at all? Ah, uh, you have more memory of the first one than the second one, and you nailed it. It was because of the cutscenes. Uh, I don't think I had access to any kind of Star Wars movie on video or anything at the time, and I just remember putting in the disc just to keep watching the cutscenes again and again and again. I know it got panned, didn't it, because of the graphics. Even when it was released, I'm sure I remember um, comments about the graphics being grainy, etc., etc., but I absolutely loved that game. And I didn't have a high-end um, PC at the time. I had quite a low-spec PC, and it managed to run that game really, really well, which I don't think... That's probably why I didn't play Rebel Assault 2 as much, because I think I remember getting it now. My PC struggled with it. But it, it was a fantastic game. Uh, cutscenes all really, really made it. Yeah, for me, for me, it's all about the cutscenes, because the introduction to the first game... And the narrator comes on and basically is reading out the the first paragraph that's in the in the opening crawl of the first movie. You know, um, rebel spaceships to strike from a hidden brace have won their first uh, battle against the evil Galactic Empire. But as this is happening, you have your first CGI X-wings, star destroyers, and Tie fighters having a little tiny, you know, five second space battle. But that's the first time we'd ever seen that, and that, that to me blew my mind. I was watching that over and over again. Uh, looking back now, it does actually look dated, but at the time it was just so super smooth and and, uh, and mind blowing. Just like the the X Wing games, uh, these have kind of kept their price. Actually, uh, a brand new 3DO copy went for 73 pounds, and I guess the 3DO games are a little more harder to find than the PC ones. I saw a factory sealed PC uh, version go for 32 pounds. You know, I'm not too much of a fan about it. Nice nostalgic memory. Uh, it was what it was for its time, I guess. But you know, it's not some. It's not like the X-wing games, which you know are still playable today. Uh, moving on to Star Wars Arcade, which was an arcade game that came out. It also came out on the infamous Sega 32X, which was like a port that went into the uh, Sega Genesis or the Mega Drive. Uh, this is a simulator, much more like 1983's Atari game we talked about uh, with the vector graphics last month. It consisted of three levels, a TIE fighter is in an asteroid field, a star, super star destroyer, and an attack on the Death Star. Uh, it was ported, like I said, over from the arcade, and was a la- uh, launch title for the 32X, where it was, uh, say it was Luke Skywalker received, is an understatement. The graphics were quite good for its time, but the game really suffered from poor gameplay. Guys, have you got any memories of this? I don't no. remember this game at all. No, <laughs> no I, I don't have I didn't, I didn't 32X. Yeah, I, I, I don't think the 32X was much of a success, was it? So, um, no, I, I mean, I don't have was, any real memories of this at all. Was it a Japanese thing, was it, that got ported over here? Uh, no, no, it was uh, It was actually a launch title for the 32X. It was, it was a, a Sega arcade game. But, yeah, I, I mean, I don't remember it, I, much of it at all. and It seems to have just been uh, forgotten into the history of video games. I saw one for sale. Uh, that was in great condition, but only went for 25 quid. But uh, should we move on? Yeah. Yeah, let's move on. <laughs> Bye. Uh, finally, just uh, to end this month's oddball, I want to look at Star Wars Chess, uh, which was released on the PC on MS-DOS. Uh, it was also released on the Mega CD and Windows in 1993. It was an animated chess game with some questionable choices of characters. Uh, you got the Tusken Raiders there working for the Empire. Luke and Leia were the king and queen. Uh, R2-D2 was the pawns. What did you guys actually think of Star Wars Chess? In fact, more importantly, if you were to reorganise Star Wars Chess, which what what 
characters would you have for the pieces? Seems that the, their choices were not the best. I love Star Wars chess, and I, I do enjoy chess. I'm absolutely hopeless. Anybody who is half decent at chess will wipe the floor with us. I, I do enjoy playing chess, and you know y- you can't really get a bad chess game, can you? I mean, it's uh, it, it's just images moving along a screen. Um, so I, I, I did enjoy this game. I really loved it. But I, I think it's a missed opportunity, really, because um, I think when, when I saw this game out, I think I, it, I thought it was going to be a bit like the uh, the Jarrett game on the Millennium Falcon. Where you know they're actually going to have sort of like you know those sort of characters sort of playing a, a type of game. I didn't think it'd just be chess using Star Wars figures, which I was a bit disappointed at. I can't remember if I got the game or someone gave it to me, but it was the overwhelming sense of disappointment. I didn't even care much about the, uh, the uh, which characters being used. It was more that I was hoping I'd be playing against Chewbacca um, and him threatening to rip my arms off with some monsters on the table, but. Um, yeah, not 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 one I really remember with any fondness, to be honest with you. Uh, I'm just looking at the pieces now. Um, the rebels are easier to, to work out. I think I probably would have had Luke and Leia as king and queen. What? Uh, That's yeah. incestual. It, well, it was back then. I would have swapped um, 3PO with Chewie, and I would have actually got rid of Chewie and brought in Han as a bishop. I would have made R2 the Rook, and I would have made loads of little Yodas as the uh, as the pawns at the front. R2's got to be the Rook, isn't he? Yeah. Now, the difficulty's on the other side, because you've got Vader as the King, but you've got the Emperor as the Queen, by the looks of it. No, it's got to be the other way around, surely. It isn't, though. Well, unless they've made the icon for Vader smaller, but the Vader's actually standing in the King's way. Well, that's a bad choice. Uh, yep, so the, unless, I don't know, who, who would you have as a female um, on the... The, em- the Emperor's got to be the Queen, uh, the, the Emperor's got to be the King, and yep. then, you know, the Queen is the henchman that goes around destroying everyone, that's got to be Vader for sure. Yep, well they've got those two the other way around. I would have made the pawns on that side, possibly Ewoks, just because nobody, like, nobody like, really likes them. It's really random, Rich. I would have had the pawns on both sides as X-Wings and TIE Fighters. What, 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 what disposable rebel troopers off the Tantive Four as the, uh, the pawns? They, they seem to get picked off quite easily. What about just mini Rick McCallums? Yeah. Yeah, in the face. Do we, um, do we move on? Bye-bye, Star Wars Chess. Thank you. It was great in 93. I couldn't actually find any for sale. Um, but yeah, that, that brings us to the end of this most oddball section. And next month we are going to finish off the 1990s. I'm sorry that we spent too much time on video games, but next month we'll be talking about some of the, the heavyweights of the end of the 1990s, including the Dark Forces games and Shadows of the Empire. After that, though, we've got some other things lined up for the months to come, which are going to be completely different to uh, talking about video games. Uh, more details that we'll talk about as soon as I've got them confirmed, but a lot more exciting stuff coming up in the future. Uh, maybe we'll put a petition on our Facebook page uh, for Kathleen Kennedy and ask you guys which game out of all of the games would you like to see make a return to the, uh, to home computing and home gaming. And you never know, maybe she'll reply and we'll have our X-Wing game back again.
Right, competition time, and uh, just want to say thank you f- to everyone that entered last month's. <laughs> um, the winner for last month's competition was Jason Smith, Mr. Palatoy. So we will uh, be in contact about your prize. Pete, I understand you have this month's competition. I do. I also have this month's prize, which is amazing. I mean, I can't go into how good this prize is. I mean, Grant, Grant has been offering me carded Princess Layers to get this off me, but no. No, I said no, Grant, no. No, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to put it up a competition prize so everyone can have a chance of owning this amazing prize. Right, to get this amazing prize, you need to go onto our Facebook page and you need to tell us in the in any kind of post or whatever you want to do, you can even post a video if you want to. We want to know what X-Wing game or Star Wars game from the, the 90s, from LucasArts, should they bring back and redo and make better? Which one? That's all you're going to do to win a prize where Grant was almost going to donate his liver to science. Do it. In this market watch, I've had a bit of a disaster because most things I was watching in various auctions didn't sell, which is really quite depressing. But there we go. Okay, the first piece was um, an original bit of Star Wars wallpaper, which I swear I had as a child, but my, no one can actually remember me actually having it, so I might have just been having an episode. Uh, this is up at C&T Auctioneers, and it was only up for, about, well, uh, initially about £30-50, pounds, but it didn't actually go because no one was going to meet that kind of uh, price in it. Uh, ones on eBay tend to go for around about, I think, about 20 to 40 so it's probably the sort of upper end of that, which is a real shame. If anyone's seen a bit of Star Wars wallpaper, it is a real action scene and a half. It's got a rather badly drawn Han Solo and Chewbacca in the bottom right-hand corner with, with the team, and it's got Star Destroyer sort of upside down, and various bits and pieces. It is actually worth getting hold of this and framing it. I think it would be an actually really, really nice piece um, to have this framed. But uh, did anyone else have Star Wars wallpaper? Now, I know you're all a bit young, and you're all, like, you know, not as old as I am, but did anyone have any wallpaper? Grant, did you ever get Star Wars wallpaper? I'm embarrassed to say I got some droids wallpaper that I've sold today, actually, uh, that I got in 1995, but, you know, that's still wrapped up. I wanted Star Wars wallpaper, and there was... None in South Wales to purchase, so I branded, I had ET wallpaper and planes from the RAF. No Star Wars wallpaper for me. See, I think it must have been a fant- fantasy of mine that I had it, but apparently all I ever had was bamboo wallpaper. So, uh, or and and and, and, and allegedly <laughs> just wallpaper. Uh, pictures of bamboo on wallpaper, but and it's apparently apparently. Yeah, it just looked awful. That's just one of the things you do in the uh, 70s and 80s. And I, I think I did have uh, apparently one wall with ET wallpaper on. And, I, and there might have been some Battlestar Galactica somewhere, but I'm not really sure. Yeah. Rich, Rich, were you allowed wallpaper up north? I didn't have walls made. <laughs> Mud hut. <laughs> here's, a, here's a question for you guys. I know that we both all pretty much feel the same about you grading. But would you uh, open up some 1978 Star Wars wallpaper and decorate your bedroom with it? <laughs> or I'll should be severely, it be sealed? I'd be severely tempted. But you know what I'm like with wanting to open everything? I probably would actually do it. I, I think that's a horrible thing to say. 
I know, but I probably would. That's the kind of guy I am. I probably have a wall with my Star Wars figures on with that wallpaper on. Rich, would you would you open Star Wars wallpaper or leave it in that roll where you can't see anything in it? I wouldn't own it in the first place, but <laughs> if I did, I would leave it in its roll. It's it's been there that long, and it, could you imagine opening it and then go to unravel it and it just disintegrated in your hands? How good would you be? Come on, Stu, you've got a you've got a youngster. You you're gonna be like putting no, wallpaper in man cave. Why not? Why not just use modern Star Wars wallpaper and keep the what? vintage one that's been sealed for thirty years sealed? Or paint or you- white and then draw on the original paper. <laughs> or it just looked lovely. You could just take a little piece, a bit like a guy with a sticker roll. You could just take a piece and put it up, frame it. Unless you're buying it loose, no. I'd just be tempted. I just I, if I had that in a roll, I'd just thinking, oh, I can't see anything. So if I couldn't see anything, I'd be tempted. But then again, you know, I'd, I'd probably never buy one anyway. To be honest with you, let's face it. Let's How much did it sell for? It didn't. It didn't sell. What um, was the asking uh, price? Uh, thirty. Well, they, they were going to be thirty to fifty pounds. Um, I emailed the, the the guys there who actually. One of the guys there did seem really keen on coming onto the podcast for some reason um, to talk about auctions, but I said well, the only really Star Wars stuff we want to talk about. But hey, it was, they were keen, so and that is something I do get a lot of when, when I contact people about auction items. They they are quite keen to come on, so we could just have an auction podcast if you if you fancy it. Could you um could you give us a, their contact details so we can get some kind of auction wallpaper restraining order on you so you don't go around destroying vintage <laughs> wallpaper. <laughs> Never. To be fair, I've, I probably wouldn't buy a roll. I'd probably buy something like that and, have it and frame it if, if I was going to do something like that. Because it, it is quite a nice piece, actually. You could do but, that um, and then just put a lot of framed wallpaper on your wall. We'll allow that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean a bit of frame. I, I probably wouldn't... Because it'd just be a long roll, roll of wallpaper, it wouldn't interest me. But a piece like that would be really, really like, quite nice. Even though, like I said, some of the artwork is a bit iffy. Okay, now the next um, items... Um, which I've been following, there seems to be quite a lot of collection of loose figures appearing. Now, I don't know whether this is just one of those things they've all come at the same time, or we're going to start getting a lot of this as people rifle through their lofts and, and their collections decide to go to auction because their prices are high. And there's actually, actually three recently. Um, there was one in Br- East Bristol Auctions, and that was 113 figures, and it went for around about, I think it was £1,400 in the end. If you see the picture, the, the, the figures are very mint. Um, it's not a complete collection of all the figures. There are a few doubles and stuff. I don't think there's a, an RT with a pop-up lightsaber, as in the lightsaber's not there. But I think pretty much all the, most figures are there. Um, you've got all the last 17 there. But yeah, we're £1,400, 113 figures. Absolutely stunning. And if you add into that the 25% markup, that takes it to a nice new level. Recently on eBay... There was 93 figures, including 15 in the last 17, but there was a few damaged items, uh, yak faces. The yak face was there. You had a man man with a bit of a broken staff. And that went for just shy of a £1,000. I think it was about 960 And then Aston's Auctions also had a really dirty, <laughs> dirty set of figures and weapons. And... Um, in the end, that went for £340, and that, that included all the last 17, but they weren't in the best condition. Um, but it was quite a nice lot, but you have to be prepared to, to actually wash the stuff. There's also a lot of weapons that I know we all kind of looked at and thought about buying. Again, very dirty, but 
Uh, that only went for £150 for a lot of weapons. I think someone will make their money back on those. Okay, now um, another auction which I was watching, which didn't go, it was actually got withdrawn in the end to be sold late in the year, so I'll, I'll probably cover it again, but I think it's worth mentioning, because I did actually contact Jedi News on this, and um, forwarded them uh, the details which they put, actually put on the site. And this was a, an amazing lot, which was uh, the Star Wars Fan Club Welcome Pack from 1978. Um, it was an absolutely incredible lot, had everything in pristine condition, but and it was up for an estimate of two hundred to four hundred pounds, but they did actually withdraw that and, and many other lots, which is a real shame. Um because, you know, I'm I'm sure that is gonna go through the roof when it comes back again. So uh, I'll keep in touch on that one. I was just gonna say about the fan club uh welcome pack. Oh man, I would love to own that. It looks mint as well. It's it is absolutely fantastic. But like, I mean, I think there's about 12 lots, and they all got withdrawn. So whether they found some more stuff, I don't know. But they won't give any details about it. But um, yeah, that that is going to be redone in December, apparently. So uh, I think that. I mean, maybe the, the estimate was too low. I don't know. Uh, but it is a stunning, stunning lot, isn't it? Yeah, it's really good. Do you, do you actually have any? Does any of you guys have any the fan club stuff? Only American. Only American, yeah. I think the British stuff is pretty hard to come across. I never see it. Never see it come up for sale. Yeah, I've got I've got some of the Banther tracks. Um, I, I mean, I was I was a member for about probably about a year, I think, before I kind of just lost interest because there wasn't there was anything like patch and stuff being sent through and the odd odd sort of like advertisement. So it wasn't a great thing for someone who's about you know ten, eleven, twelve years old. It kind of got a bit boring. But uh, but yeah, I, I used to love those Banther tracks. I mean, that that came in through the door. I still kept the envelopes of my Star Wars fan club stuff and the patches. I've got a couple of Banther pad, um, Banther tracks bits, and uh, actually today. Poncho Belt has sent me a patch for free through the post. He was a uh, very nice. He sent me that and a and a badge for for now. He just asked me my address the other day and just uh, it arrived today with a lovely little note. What a lovely so man! Thank, so thank you, Poncho Belt. What a lovely, lovely man. Can you send me some as well? It'd be interesting to find out the difference between the American and the British fan club, like the, the different components that come with it, because I don't actually, I don't know. Yeah, it, it's something actually that I've been trying to work with Mark Newbold with. I, mean, I know he's very busy. Uh, which I mean, I've asked him for some more sort of more details because I know that he's quite a, a fan of the fan club stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm 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 fascinated to see see how it actually developed because I think it was quite strong for a while, but it, I think it tailored off obviously as people lost interest in Star Wars. But yeah, it, it, it's something that's not really been covered that much anywhere, especially yeah. the, the UK stuff. It'd make a good um, a good oddball section as well. Maybe you should get Mark on and ask him ask him what what's up with the fan club stuff. Yeah, definitely. I, I, it is something that fascinates me, the fan club. So, I mean, if anyone, I mean, I know a couple of guys in the forum did actually mention, I put a thread up, didn't I, um, just after the last podcast, a few people did actually say they had some bits and pieces. So, it might be worth another sort of appeal to see who's got what and, and what we can piece together. Because, I mean, I, I joined when it was in Banff Trek about 17, so that was quite some way in. It was about 1984, that was, well, 83, 84. So, just after Return of the Jedi, I kind of been out doing its thing. Um, so it's been interesting to see how many people actually joined it because I believe there was two fan clubs. Uh, one didn't last very long, and then another one started. So I'm assuming this, this was for the, for the first one. Okay, there's a couple of items on eBay um, over the last month or so, which I think is worth doing. I, I, I try and find something a bit different. Uh, the first one was the Star Wars Turn of the Jedi uh, shuttle, and they have declared that the person selling it. Uh, declared it as an AFA 90 highest graded example, so I don't know whether that's true or not. I'm not the person to tell you that. Uh, the other guys are, but it was, it is absolutely stunting. Um, I always wanted an Imperial shuttle when I was a kid and never got one. 
Um, I don't know why. I don't remember seeing that many around, but I guess there must have been. But this is absolutely superb, and it went in the end for around about, I think it was 1,800, just over £1,800. And it's, in its, and it's in its acrylic case. It is boxed, which, again, always slightly disturbs me, because I like seeing these things, but it is stunning. Absolutely stunning. Now, Grant, or Rich, do you know whether this, this is the highest graded example? No idea, mate. Absolutely no idea at all. I mean, it looks superb, doesn't it? I what? think it's a good chance it is. I mean, it had 44 bids on it. I mean, it, I mean, it, it was a regular thing. I mean, it, it, people were going for it, but... I mean, it's something I can never afford, but... Um, it's, oh, oh, that's a pale shuttle. I don't know, it's about that ship. I don't know what it is. It's just a stunning-looking ship. And the fact I that it's, you know, massive. It is, and it's also because it's... I think, maybe it's because it's so elegant that the, the wings kind of start and then fold up as it lands. I don't know. It just kind of like... It's almost like a, a flower... That it comes up, but it is—it is just a beautiful, beautiful ship. It's like an did imperial you, orchid. <laughs> it is an imperial orchid. Did, 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 does anyone actually have one of these? Not in a box, obviously, but actually have one of these ships. Yeah, I've got one. It took us a long, long time to get it. You tend to find that the price is really bad. You fluctuate, and for a long time, as in probably best part of two years, um, whenever you went to buy one, it was all two hundred pound. It was consistently two hundred pound. Um, so I, I got so fed up with it, I actually um, bought one from America, and I think I paid probably around about £120 for the ship, and that was including the, the shipping. So yeah. I, I was really pleased when I got it, and the guy I bought it off had dismantled it by taking the wings out, and uh, it was incredibly difficult putting them back on again because it's all got springs and cogs inside. And, and a guy called Paul Henry, he... Uh, shot his own little video to show us how to put it back together again because I spent so long and I just couldn't figure it out. If it's got springs in it, um, does it actually move up and down? Did the wings actually do what it does in the, in the film? Yeah, yeah, they did. Uh, but no, I think I remember right, you, you, you hold a button in, the wings just drop, which is why you find a lot, a lot that are broken, the co- a lot of cogs are broken on them. And then you push the wings back up again. Oh, there's no elegance in it? No, there's not. Oh. You, you press it, they do just drop down, but they, they don't like fall down completely, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. What are you, Stu? Have been tempted? I was tempted at farthest from actually. Both Ian and Jamie both had a box one for sale, didn't they, on their their stalls for about one hundred and twenty pound. But really, that box was massive. I was going to have to um, reverse my, my vehicle into the hall <laughs> to load it up. It, it does look big. It does. One hundred twenty pound. That's just a bargain. I think. I think if I mean, I'm not really into buying ships, but I think that would be the one that would tempt me into it. As much as like uh, Princess Leia car backs tempt me into car back collecting, that that is something that of, that is a thing of beauty in Star Wars. I think it's absolutely beautiful design. Everything about it is amazing. Right. The last thing. Now this fits in with um, Grant's oddball section as such, um, and this was the original Sega Star Wars trilogy coin-operated arcade video machine in its case, and uh, this went in the end for one thousand two hundred and fifty quid, which I was a bit surprised about really. I I guess the sit-down ones be more popular, but I mean, still, it's still in its in its. <laughs> it is still the arcade game. I'm not quite sure what what which version it is. I mean, I have actually looked into. I don't know you, you guys are the same, but uh, actually looked into maybe making an arcade box one day. Grant, have you ever been tempted by uh, one of these, or maybe making your own? Um, I'd be massively tempted, especially the 1983 Atari arcade one. This is the. Uh 
96, 97 Sega one, isn't it, that, that came out to support the release of the Star Wars Special Edition. Yeah. yeah um, what you'll find with the prices of these, and, and very similar as well with uh, shop displays, is the prices ca- can be kept down just surely because of the size of the collectible. Whereas, yeah, I mean, everyone would love you know to have like a massive... Star Wars shop display or a massive Star Wars arcade in their house, but they take up so much room, and I find that it's it's the fact that it's limited in that capacity that it can actually keep the price down. And I think one thousand four hundred pounds for that arcade machine is an absolute bargain. But where would I put it? You know, <laughs> I could fit it in the bathroom, but it would just be really weird. Well, in the end, it was it was only one one person actually bid on it, and and I went for it, so. I guess the, I mean, the starting price was 1250 and that's how it ended. Um, there is a sit-down version as well. Yeah, that's, that, that's one I would think would be... We'll probably go for a lot, because I mean, that's the one I remember playing in the arcades. And it was, it was the fact that you had to sit down, you felt, again, you were in Star Wars. I think the standing-up one wouldn't appeal to me as much. But um, I think it's something, it's something worth what, looking out for. But, it, I mean, I've always looked into making one of these. I mean, I mean the, you can actually get the software, download the software for free, to actually emulate the 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 control system itself um, to build your own, so we could have I mean, our own little uh, King of Kong documentary, <laughs> which would be fantastic. But yeah, man, I mean, it would also look good because in um, like you see when you see Rancho Obi One as well, because a lot of the collectibles are inanimate. It's nice to have it broken up with you know a big electronic light up display with the pinball machines or the you know the arcade games with the the sounds and the lights and the music and everything. I think yeah, I mean I'd love to have that in the corner next to my carded figures. It would look awesome. <laughs> Rich, uh, Stuart, you uh, how are you going to tell your wife that you've just spent one thousand three hundred pounds on a massive arcade machine that you're going to put next to the shower? <laughs> well, I've got um. I have my garage converted, so I have actually got the room for it. Oh, I think I think I think you need to buy the sit-down one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well. yeah, yeah. Don't don't. I've always one. had a dream of having that arcade machine, the old vintage Star Wars fruit machine, and a vintage Star Wars pinball machine. Brilliant. But, uh, yeah, it might cost me a few grand to put them together. <laughs> but I, I think it'd be worth the investment. Personally, I really do. I think I think these things will just be something that the, the, the value will. I don't think ever go down in value unless you break them. I'm thinking, like, my, the, my ideal one would be the 1983 Atari sit-down arcade machine. But first of all, I'd have to get it in through the front door, so I'm not sure I'd even be able to get into the house. If I did get into the house, I'd have to take the entire stairs out to get it onto the top floor. Probably have to remove a wall then to get it into the Star Wars room. But it'd be worth it. Oh, yeah, totally up for it. But it. That's a big would- job, isn't it? I would assume these things come apart reasonably easy, though, because I mean, it is essentially just some plywood painted yeah, with a, with a computer on the yeah. front of it. I mean, there's not a great, there can't be a great deal in there, can there? I mean, apart from like the uh, the, the the money mechanism, which I'm guessing for Star Wars ones would, would have been quite big to take like cash. But I don't know. It just it, it is something which which I, I mean, again, it's another strange little item which which what? kind of sums up how ridiculous Star Wars was and, and what is out there to buy. That's a good question, there, Pete, because like. Maybe you'd have to be make sure that you've got like the right currency as well to use in these machines. Maybe the currency doesn't exist anymore. Well, I'm, well, I'm trying to think um, when when some. I mean, if you think about if you talk about the ones you were talking about the, in the early '80s or the or mid '80s, that's going to be taking some odd British currency, isn't it? Because I mean, we have changed. You know, there, there weren't pound. Well, when, when did the pound coin come out? Was it mid '80s? Something like that, wasn't it? 1982. 
definitely. Ah, oh, there so, we go. So, but, I mean, but, I mean you, you, you wouldn't have had an arcade game costing a pound at the time because it'd been too expensive. Do you know what it would be? It'd be the old 5Ps. Well, no, I, I would think it'd be the old 50Ps. They're like those big buggers. We'd better find that out before we spend a couple <laughs> thousand pounds on a massive arcade and drive it. Turn, turn off the money mechanism, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, think, I think you can, yeah. Just make it, like, free play. But I'm sure you can also get some cheap 50Ps off eBay. But if you've got your friends coming around who are all Star Wars uh, fanatics, you might want to turn it on, eh? <laughs> <laughs> you also... You, you, but I think you need to put the money in. It just makes the game, because it makes it... You, ha- you can't do it without put the money in it kind of defeats the object of having the unit doesn't it yeah otherwise it's cheating because you need to yeah. only have three lives and that's it game over yeah I mean you know, I mean, you know, I, I can remember that when the first time I came across it was at some I think it might be in Western Superman <laughs> went there on a day trip oh and there was a queue there was a bloody queue outside the machine waiting to get onto it you know you don't see that these days but I mean, that was just incredible a queue to play Star Wars have you been to Western Superman <laughs> Many times, sadly. Yikes. But recently? Uh, yes, for football. Obviously, you know there's a queue still. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're still queuing for the phone. That was interesting. <laughs> right, that, that concludes the Market Watch for this week. W Acrylic, carded, loose, foreign and mail away. For the security, protection and display needs of your Star Wars collectibles, Facebook, GW Acrylic or contact them at info at gwacrylic.co.uk. Right, now I'm delighted to welcome back Chris Mann for this month's Rapid Fire Questions. You ready, Chris? I am, yep. Right, favourite Star Wars movie? Return of the Jedi. Favourite Star Wars scene? Ooh, Cantina. Favourite on-screen character? Yoda. Favourite planet? Uh, Dagobah. Favourite part of the prequels? Uh, as a punt when Jar Jar gets his head electrocuted in between the pod race of pods. <laughs> <laughs> Optimistic or pessimistic about episode 7? Optimistic. Looking forward to it. Which actor or crew member would you most like to meet? I think Harrison Ford. Favourite Sith? Ooh, I quite like Darth Maul. I like the spiky head. Padme or Leia? Leia. Favourite lightsaber duel? Dooku and Yoda. Ewoks, love them or hate them? Don't mind them. I haven't got a problem with Ewoks. Favourite Star Wars book? Gus Lopez's and Duncan Jenkins' book that I bought a father's from. Your favourite Star Wars computer game? I used to love Return of the Jedi on the SNES. Your favourite convention? Father's from, without a doubt. Favourite figure as a child? Oddly enough, Klaatu. Favourite figure now? Zoa. I quite like Tig From from the Droid series. Which character do you wish they'd made a figure of? Jabba's Dancers. Those three would have looked good as a three-pack in the vintage line. Favourite toy vehicle or playset? The Death Star Palatoy version. Vehicle or playset you wish they'd made? A TIE Crawler. Favourite card back? Power of the Force. What was the last vintage Star Wars toy you purchased? Power of the Force, Ben Kenobi. 
And what is your Holy Grail item? Power of the Force Yoda. Chris, thank you ever so much for your time today, matey. Thank you very much. That was hard. Now, I was hoping to be catching up with David Moss right about now, but uh, since the interview earlier in the podcast was recorded about a fortnight ago, um, it's all gone a bit crazy for him, and the BBC have done some filming with him, and they continue to do some filming, so the scan date has been put back, so it is not no longer this week. It's in a week or two weeks' time. The BBC can record it for their new series of Collectaholics. So, consequently... There wasn't much point getting Dave back on the show as yet, but he has been talking with me and he will be coming back on to November's podcast to talk and discuss exactly what was in that box. So something to look forward to next month. Right, Grant, now you have got a bit of an update to do with the current T-shirt order. Okay, guys, just wanted to say that, um, well, I apologise really that uh, we were doing our second run of T-shirts Um we did the first run, which was uh, successful, and managed to get the T-shirts out. And then some more people contacted me uh, and asked to do a second run, which we did the second run. But it, uh, it's taken the company a while to uh, get the T-shirts done. But also, I didn't actually chase them up probably as good as I could have. I probably could have been a bit more tougher chasing them up over the last two weeks. But I have received the T-shirts today, which is the 9th of October 2014, and I will be getting all of the T-shirts out tomorrow. So thanks for everyone who purchased the T-shirt. I think we've almost we've done about 75 T-shirts now, so that that's great. And we will do another run at another time, but uh, apologies, it's just been really hectic. But thanks anyway, and uh, hope you like them. Now, we here at the podcast love all the feedback we receive, good, bad, indifferent, all feedback is taken on board. So please, please, please continue to keep the feedback coming, either on the thread where many of you tend to leave it, or email us at swfukpodcast at gmail.com. Now, Rich, did we have much feedback last month? Yes, Joe, uh, surprisingly got a lot of feedback again. And you can't please everybody. I think that's what we're starting to realise now. Um, we've had a chat about the length. We've had a chat about do we talk too much about ourselves? Or and other people are saying, no, we need more banter, etc., etc. So... I think we're just going to have to focus on we do what we do and um, until we get a huge amount of people seeing one way or the other, we'll just keep going as is. But it's pleasing to say that we've had a lot of feedback on the on the forum. Um, we've had two or three really, really good constructive posts that have broken down our sections and given advice, which is really good. I mean, it's one of the reasons why the boom section this month is focusing on a positive because uh, one or two guys have said the boom's always negative and it doesn't need to be because there can be boom stories that really shape the form but are, are, are really good and positive so we'll, I will think more about those it's not something I'd considered it's also good to get um, PMs um, on TIG and Rebel Scum and through Stars Form UK from members who I haven't been talked to before um, to see how much they enjoy the show and it's, it's proven that it really is a global um, show that we've got going now it's not just a, a UK based podcast and uh, I really didn't think we, we would appeal to so many Swedes and Belgians and uh, Canadians um, we're getting a lot of feedback from those guys so it's really appreciated every single one of your PMs every email that we've got gets responded to you know if, if there's something that we're not doing right or you know, you've got a great idea let us know um, because we, we do want to keep the podcast fresh 
and you've already given us one or two great ideas, which is why we've changed a couple of sections. So so keep it coming. Those who keep saying, you know, it needs to be longer, etc., etc., I, I don't think we're sharing that same opinion now. Yeah, yeah, it would be it would be great to have a ten-hour podcast, but uh, it's it's going to kill us recording it, and it will get very very boring very very quickly. So I think we'd rather record shorter episodes, but perhaps make them more frequently. Uh, we're not really restricted to a monthly recording. So if you're one of these guys who only listens to our podcast, and you should check out some other podcasts because you're all missing some great stuff. If you if you haven't checked out the Kai podcast, go and check them out and. We recommend um, podcasts such as Rebel Force Radio, uh, 1138, and the Forcecast for those who were interested in Episode 7. Um, we've had a couple of guys asking, will we talk about Episode 7? Will we talk about Rebels? I don't think we will. We may briefly mention it, you know, as did you enjoy that episode, but we're, we're not we're not a current Star Wars podcast. There are other guys out there who do it better than us. So we're more than happy to point, point you in that direction. But, um, yeah, like, like our Facebook page, follow us on Twitter, and send us email and um, feedback as much as possible and we look forward to chatting your guys when we see you uh, at future cons thanks very much for your support yeah wonderful right so just want to once again say a huge thank you to chris mann and david moss for taking their time to chat with us this month uh, we always appreciate the people taking their time out to come speak with us you can find us on twitter at swfuk podcast on facebook forward slash swfuk podcast or contact us at swfukpodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget, all our podcasts are still available on both iTunes and Podbean, so if you've missed an episode, you can go back and check out the back catalogue. If you're heading to the Facts event in Belgium, be sure to come and speak with us. We are there both days and are all thoroughly looking forward to the event. And of course, don't forget to get involved in all areas of the forum. Or, if you are currently not a member, sign up and get involved. You can find the forum at www.starwarsforum.co.uk. So that's about it for this month. Hope everyone has enjoyed it, and we'll see you next month. So it's good night from Rich. Here, guys. Good night from Pete. Do have your moments, not me, but you have them. Good night from Grant. Ah, thank you for listening. And good night from Ben. Stay classy, everybody. And until next time, it's good night from me. And remember, only you can decide with Star Wars toys. This podcast is not endorsed by Disney, Lucasfilm Limited, 20th Century Fox, or anybody who cares about the Star Wars franchise. It is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The official Star Wars website can be found at www.starwars.com. All names and sounds of Star Wars are registered trademarks of Lucasfilm Limited and other associated copyright holders. All the original content of this podcast are the intellectual property rights of Star Wars Forum UK. If you enjoyed this podcast, then feel free to email podcast at gmail.com if you don't like this podcast tough are Star Wars products going to have the durability of say that old favourite the teddy bear teddy okay um actually Shadow's Empire one was actually one of the, the best thing about Shadow's Empire I think yeah uh, that's not until next month because we've had yeah, this yeah, but half because uh, when Shadows of the Empire what? sorry oh 96 96 that's correct what was the one with all the little um, Battlefront, wasn't it? Yeah, I get confused. Little, a bit more description than little. All the little people. Yeah. <laughs> it's a mirror. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's looking into your front room window, Stu. <laughs>